Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer to the African deity, Eshu Legba. A deity let us know that there we always have choices. We are never victims. And, wow, it's so exciting that this is Oakland International Film Festival season. It's going to be kicking off with 11 days of great films September 19th through 29th, and we have in the studio um, the founding director, David Roach. Good morning, David. How are you? Good morning, Wanda. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. So exciting. Wow, 11 days. Oh, my goodness. Coming up in two weeks, right? Uh, Yeah, two weeks uh, on on this Thursday, so tomorrow, yeah, it will be two weeks. I can't believe that. Mm-hmm. It happened so fast. Yeah, yeah. It's like wow, because you know, <laughs> Oakland International Film Festivals are such, such an event. Mm-hmm. And you think, wow, has it been just a year? Has it been a, a year has passed since the last one? Like whoa. <laughs> actually, actually, it's been a year and six months because we moved it from April to uh, September. Right, right. Yeah, which yeah. is kind of cool the way you surprise us. Like okay. Um, for a lot of years, it was in October, and then it That's wasn't, right. That's right. <laughs> and then it moved to yeah. the spring, and now it isn't. It's like okay. yes, uh huh. We move around a little bit. We try to this year. You know, we, we've had the last year was the second rainiest day in Oakland history on on, a, on our Friday, and um, the year before it rained also. And we wanted to do more with the schools this year also, and see how we could connect. Mm-hmm. So we moved the date. Uh-huh. Right, right, yeah, and I was just um I was trying to find a find a, a a bio that was somewhat comprehensive. So it's like, okay. So I went to the Oakland International Film Festival uh Facebook and uh mm-hmm. you know, had a few things like, you know, that you're self employed and you studied at Morehouse College mm-hmm. and <laughs> and you went to San Mateo High School and that you're married. It's like, okay, well that's um that's really brief. That's all that's um, about it. Huh? And then <laughs> Right, exactly. But we we know there's more, and so then I mean I know you grew up in San Francisco, and that you come from mm-hmm. a family of entrepreneurs and artists and like like really famous folks, and and then so then I went to your your LinkedIn, um, and I was looking at that, and um, 
and it talked about, you know, how um, it says um, building healthy communities at familyhood um, and that you are the co-founder and director of the Oakland International Film Festival, which we knew already, but I didn't know that you were also um, co-founder of the Oakland Film Society. Um, yeah, and I remember when Oakland, uh, City of Oakland um, stopped funding it, which was really sad. Um, and uh, and you're also co-founder of the Familyhood Connection, Mobetta Foods, you know, and what Mobetta Foods was really well known for, besides the wonderful work at um, uh, McClymouth High School, you know, where you worked and you developed the, uh, what was the economic uh, course that you had? And then you had the um, the Black Farmers, uh, um, what is it, the Black Farmers um, Market? where you brought black uh, farmers up from Central Valley who sold their food here? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mo Better Food Market, but, and then we changed mm-hmm. the name to the Mandela Farmers Market when we moved to Mandela Street on 7th Street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that still going? Yeah. Uh, it is still going. I mean, the farmers are still coming, um, and mm-hmm. there are other organizations now that have partnered with them to continue that effort. Um, and so, and just recently the farmers have uh, acquired a new well system. So they're expecting nice. an increase in production to be able to mm-hmm. hopefully redistribute not only here in the Bay Area, but also in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because I know they, my mother told me about the farmer's market in L.A. that they have had mm-hmm. for a while. When mm-hmm. when is the Mandela Farmers Market? Um, is it still happening presently? Like because I know well, it's not when it rains. It's... Right. So what happened was when we started at McClymouth High School, we um, mm-hmm. we were we started just more better food, and then a few years later we we uh, participated in a grant, a collaborative grant from the USDA, which was three years of mm-hmm. funding to expand the farmer's market into a grocery store. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, so after, uh, so during that three year period, we identified the space at seventh street and Mandela. And so the market mm-hmm. was really as a way to, to continue the farmers and then, but then to provide a, a, a consistent marketplace for them, which is now the Mandela uh, cooperative grocery store there. So that was, Oh, that okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the grocery store is oh, there nice. now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, the, and now yeah, sure also the farmers are still coming. Uh, and I believe, I forgot the organization is kind of, you know, still working with them. Um, but mm-hmm. I think they're setting up on San Pablo and 38th or something like that every Saturday. Okay. So these All are right. the, And these are the African-American okay. farmers of California who come from Fresno, uh, the farmers that we, mm-hmm. you know, that we worked with as well. And so that mm-hmm. so that uh so that's still going on. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. you know, around the beginning when you started doing that, you were um, you know, you were teaching at um uh at McClyman's and you were teaching an economics uh class. And I was and but it had another name. And I was wondering um is did that continue um even though you're not teaching there anymore? No, it actually was called healthy economics. Is what I'm okay. still working to 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 um, to initiate. Um, mm-hmm. 
And um, when our when the business program wasn't funded anymore, like a lot of the academies in the schools, um, I no longer taught there. And at the same time, we had received that grant, as I mentioned, and so I kind of worked full time uh, directing, co-directing that uh, West Alton Food Collaborative. And um, and then. Um, but the First Saturdays initiative, which we're working on right now, firstsaturdays.com, mm-hmm. uh, 1stsaturdays.com, is really uh, the action for or the strategy for that vision of healthy economics. Uh, we just defined healthy economics, redefined it, uh, put it in one word called familyhood, which, of course, is the organization that we started oh. the Familyhood Connection. And so mm-hmm. First Saturdays is a monthly effort. To, to bring together once a month volunteering at the school, um, but also mm-hmm. uh, having an agenda of hearing updates from the Student Government Association, the Parent Teacher Association, and the Alumni Association. And um, to and if the school doesn't have those organizations functioning, then part of the agenda is to talk about it and figure out how to get them established. And, and what we're hoping to do is to plant the seed uh, for, for students as early as K, you know, in one, sec, first, second, third grade, all the way up to, to they graduate, mm-hmm. that they should actually have student government associations functioning at all the schools. And when they graduate, right. they, should be, they should be alumni, so, you know, they should be a part of their alumni association and then come back mm-hmm. to help mentor the next group of students who are in government. And so really, really mm-hmm. working towards having the school become a center of the community's development because those are some of the last legacy, you know, places. And because people typically when they live near a school, you know, they typically live near a school, so you're having a way of connecting the community more, uh, leveraging the school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, and this this is a first Saturday. Um, uh, is it a first Saturday coming up? Uh, no, that was last Saturday. Um, no, 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 this is the first Saturday. So is something um, happening this Saturday um, with your organization? No, we are um, We are working to get the school district to adopt it. We have recently received okay. the endorsement of the California Association of Student Councils. Um, in May, we held the Intergenerational Governance Summit where we had different representatives from PTAs, from alumni, and student government. And, um, and basically, we're, we worked last year. We had about four schools, high schools, that actually started first Saturdays. And we're also talking to folks in the Houston School District and in Atlanta as well mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because we've been really working more behind the scenes on the website and actually connecting it from the bottom as well as from the top. And so we're sort of awaiting. We have the, the, the different student uh, city council folks and have endorsed it and uh, school board folks, and we're really awaiting for the, uh, for the superintendent to, uh, to put her John Hancock on it and then really understand mm-hmm. what, you know, how we're trying to bring all these folks together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping right. to launch yep. November. So, so now the school has started okay. in September. We really haven't had the mm-hmm. time uh, to really, uh, you know, and because of the film festival as well, it's kind of like, okay, let's mm-hmm. get everybody on the same page so at least the <laughs> district knows about it. 
and then we'll mm-hmm. uh, so we'll really campaign after the you know during the festival after the festival, and um, and then hopefully launch in November the first Saturday in November. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah, and um, uh-huh. and you're also right, and so that's the mm-hmm. the familyhood connection, um, and you know, mm-hmm. like Sinjin will better foods, and then and then you're also president of Made in the East Bay dot com, and you're also president of Made in Africa dot Mobi, so I was wondering if you could talk about those two, and you could fold them into the Oakland International Film Festival because it is an international film festival. Right, and it's also you also feature you know uh, art uh, filmmakers that are here in the Bay Area, which is always nice. Yes, um, the Made In brand is is part of kind of like the bridge between the two. Uh, mm-hmm. Of the bridge being, um, as I mentioned, with healthy economics in the community, mm-hmm. um, we you know the vision is that around the world schools are connected. And they're able to learn from each other. Young folks are able to share their governance strategies, what they're doing, uh, looking at the community uh, food situation. Because also part of it is every school having a garden, a farmer's market, and a grocery store. And so that mm-hmm. is part of what the student government adopts as part of you know, their uh, hands-on business learning how to work cooperatively to run that garden, to run that farmer's market, and eventually to grow and, and running their own grocery store with the assistance of their, you know, some volunteers, PTA from alumni. And just as we received that grant to develop our program, uh, similarly, they, once they increase the capacity, they, would, they could be better prepared to run a grocery store. But it starts with the garden and the farmer's market as, as hands-on um, experiential learning types of activities at, at a school site. And so we envision this as happening at schools in, you know, in Africa and China and different places where they're connected. And, they're, and um, you know, so that's part of that vision. Um, and then as far as the film festival, um, mm-hmm. you know, we have films, as you mentioned, that are made in Oakland. We have films that are made in Zimbabwe. We have films that are made in, you know, in China, all over the place. And so we so we're trying to use the brand of the Made In to say that we can promote the local, the production of people, which is really what family, with, which is pretty much what, what 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 healthy economics is, is that we're trying to take the the same kind of, you know, when we think of something that's made, we think of something that is a raw good converted to a finished good, or mm-hmm. the clothes we wear because it was made in that particular region, and so. Um, so in this particular case, we're trying to apply that to, uh, you know, like converting natural resources into a finished good is something that's made. So we tend to look at, you know, in I don't want to just say capitalism, but the but the machine t- typically looks at natural resources as it extracts them, you know, then it creates this kind of commerce for itself, but it doesn't do much for the people that live there except pollute the environment, except exploit the resources. And then as soon as they do that, they move on to some other space because they have the money and, and then people, you know, governments will want them to come because they because temp- on a temporary level they'll create jobs is what they promote, et cetera. Um, so in this particular case, we're trying to reverse it where the, where the emphasis is not so much on natural resources, but it's on 
human resources. And the human resources are the people that live there. And the people that live there, the idea is by them being in student government, they're being prepared to be the future leaders in their community. And they're produced to a finished good when they become that alumni. So when they graduate from the high school and they come out and they come back to their community, then they are what we define as made. And so we're, so we're really emphasized. So the made ends really starts with the, with the people being going from a child to adult um, as a human resource, as I mentioned, to a finished good, which is the person. And uh, so that's one aspect of the made end. And then we complement that with the films that are made in that area and the markets that are created by the local farmers. And so we're nice. so as buying local, so as buying local mm-hmm. movements happening, we hope that we can, you know, because there are other made ins that we've that we've gotten different sites around the world and we're mm-hmm. and we're and we're planning on connecting them, you know, through the schools so that they can benefit the communities that live there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is really great the way, you know, it's all sort of linked up, you know, with with the schools, which means you know, these children, they're going to be the future leaders, and so they're actually getting a chance to, to practice, um, you know, these these skills before they're grown, before they're adults. Exactly. That is such the – that is it, practice in school. <laughs> That's what school is about. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and if you think about – and you think about a school, when we think of a school, we typically think of a building that has classrooms and, you know, but – in this case, we want you to think of visualize a school like a school of fish, mm-hmm. you know, that travel together. And so mm-hmm. it's not the building, it's the people that are actually a part that are, that are learning together in that, in that space, in that time. And mm-hmm. so, um, so every year we have a school of graduates, and, and this happens in some neighborhoods, you know, some schools where they really are good at, at, at preserving their their history where they know who their alumni are and they track them mm-hmm. and they, yeah. and they, and they go to them and they get resources from their alumni and their alumni come back to the mm-hmm. school. And so, um, so really the, the only thing really unique is that we're, we're trying to collaborate the organizations and that's what we haven't seen. And so we're, we have gotten some pretty good feedback from folks who say, yeah, that's great to have, you know, student government working with their PTA and working with their alumni mm-hmm. association. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. And I guess, you know, maybe the motto is, you know, that you're a Morehouse man and Morehouse has a wonderful alumni and you association and you I you know, I remember seeing you at the old um let's see, uh Merritt uh bakery restaurant and, and you all will be meeting <laughs> you and and the uh you know, the Morehouse Alumni Association here. Uh, you know, strategizing and planning sometimes when I would come through there. And so I was wondering, um, you know, since since you went to school there, you know, you have a Bachelor's of Business Administration and Business Finance, and so you're real key on how important economics are, you know, to the sustainability of, of, you know, of any good idea. (laughs) I was wondering, you know, sort of if, if that alumni association and and how you've been really key on you know schools developing those these alumni relationships 
so that they could, you know, sustain their their institutions because public schools don't tend to be funded um, the way they should be. But if you have a a strong alumni association, then whatever you need, you got it <laughs> because you got that support there. Right. So I was wondering if that have... comes from your relationship with your uh, alma mater. Um, well, I'm I've been trying to um, really, you know. Typically, what happens with, with Morehouse, and I'm pretty sure a lot of HBCUs, is that they're they're so big on trying to raise money because they're they're having you know they're struggling to to provide the kind of education that you know will create uh, employable folks for the most part or entrepreneurs okay. to some extent, but more the the, the the other one as far as getting jobs and you know and um, so. Um, so when it comes to, you know, um, when it comes to community work, um, a lot of people and organizations feel like they have to take care of other things first. You know, they got to, I got to get myself together before I can, you know, share with somebody like how to, how to learn how to read or, you know what I mean? I mean, it's in, in the schools kind of have, um, I mean, Morehouse has so much potential to really, um, and I'm, you know, I'm on a call just last week that was a national call, and um, and you know they're planning the school, the, the new school year. There's been changes in, in administration, and there are always changes in administration, and so a lot of the things that we do, we kind of start over again, and then and then the people there are new people, and then they kind of. You know, they have to learn the new things that they've been taught and what their job is, et cetera. And um, and so I'm hoping that we can actually, you know, get beyond the new stuff and really uh, incorporate a local strategy that all the chapters are doing. And so we've so I've been kind of I've been really pushing this for a while, and and and, um, and we've had some level of support. We've had some endorsement um, from Morehouse. Um, and um, but it still is, you know, there's so many changes that happen with administration, as I mentioned, and, and teachers, and 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 then people typically have put it on the back burner of, you know, we gotta prioritize, you know, certain other things. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so uh, so so it, so it's back to the drawing board to some extent. Um, but I do think that like. There are examples of like Stanford University and Berkeley and how they how they really impact you know their local economies here in the Bay Area, right? Um, and how their alumni and their endowments really support you know their their institutions. Um, but I think it's it's very different in the sense that um, you know when it comes to writing dissertations, Berkeley does and. Uh, it's it's it, that information typically isn't really shared with the community. It's kind of like part of Berkeley's, mm-hmm. um, you know, and um, and I think that the institutions do have an opportunity and 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 should play a role. And instead of just documenting, they should really serve and they should really uh, fix the problems. Um, but I think, it, like I said, it's so many. After you're in the game for a while, you kind of see all the changes in the players and, and then and people kind of go back to some of the basics and, and we still have a lot of, you know, a lot of room to really grow. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So which which film festival is this? Um, which annual? Oh, this 17? is number seventeen. Oh. This is number seventeen. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So did uh-huh. did the time pass quickly or did it pass slowly? Seventeen. That's like heck of big. That's like wow. Seventeen. You're almost twenty. Wow. Seventeen. That is, that's, that's amazing. Really Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's been. Um, you know, when we first started, I just remember carrying my children to the first festival. And now, <laughs> and now they are in college. And they wow. remember being there and wondering why they're there and who are all these people, <laughs> you know. And um, so, so it's been that long of a time. And, um, and we're looking forward to, for it to be many, many more years to go. And mm-hmm. hopefully it will strengthen the culture and um, produce storytellers, you know, and uh, share, um, amplify voices that oftentimes aren't heard because of what they might be saying and what they're trying to do. So, um, so yeah, so we're looking forward to this year and, and, and years to come. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, is there a theme for this year, and um, and does the Oakland International Film Festival um, like cultivate directors and have um, you know, screenings of work that you've commissioned or anything like that? Oh, I wish. <laughs> uh, no, we we have. Um, let's see. Yes, two parts in that question. The last part, as far mm-hmm. as the director's commission, no, we don't. Com- we we pretty much um, try to get as many of them here as possible, and trying to have mm-hmm. the conversations, and so we can, uh, like for example, Decades of Fire is a film that um, Gretchen uh, Hilber Dunn has produced or directed, um, which. Follows this other sister, Puerto Rican sister Vivian. I forgot her last name, but um, but just her experience of growing up in the South Bronx, and um, and and just seeing and remembering how the community was very vibrant through its diversity. Um, you know, with the African Americans who migrated from the South. You know, Jim Crow came up to South Bronx and make a, a new life and you know the the Irish folks who were there and how you would hear music and people would almost like play music out their window competing with the culture that they had to share their music mm-hmm. and their sound but, but in the streets the kids are all playing baseball or you know doing things that they do mm-hmm. and um, and then all of a sudden city renewal comes in and then they come in and and basically redline the community and and do all these things that really prevent the development. Um, and then the different services like the trash being collected and different things come to play. And and basically the community begins to deteriorate and it begins to go through stages of which now the all of a sudden these fires occur. And the and people are you know basically uh, the people who own the property are getting paid the insurance. So for ten years, um, 
you know, and then all. But really, the people themselves have to come together and rebuild the community and in these abandoned places and, and things. And so it kind of brought the South Bronx back to life. And um, and to say these kind of stories are really, you know, just yesterday. This is the seventies, eighties, and and um, and you know, as Oakland goes through what we're what. Uh, Filmmakers here in Oakland, Agimu, and others are calling Tent City, um, mm-hmm. and you see the displacement of people. Um, it's important to know your history, and film, I think, is a great way of showing things in an hour or two, and then to have those discussions because you look at what folks have done um, to strategize to 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 you know to overcome some of the discrimination and racism that definitely is still prevalent even today. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, how yeah. many films um, did you have to um, vet before you settled on these particular films for the eleven days? And how many films made it? We have about seventy films. We probably went through about I don't know over a few hundred. But it, mm-hmm. we really try to show all the films. It's not okay. like a festival. Okay. Like we really try to, you know, make it so competitive. You know, when mm-hmm. you see a film, it's so hard to say that film isn't going to get in. You try to really program it. It really comes through like we lose, we, we actually run out of, of spaces, of, of theaters to show mm-hmm. them in. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's our method. And part of this just goes back to being a filmmaker with my brother Paul, and, and we made Sydney Bird Private Eye. And after we put all of our resources pretty much in making the film, we were mm-hmm. trying to then have people see that film. And so we right. submitted the film to all these film festivals and hoping Sundance and others would allow us to show our movie. And we got into a few festivals, and that really made a difference for us because we now had a free theater that we could show our movie, you know, and then it kind of helped validate that the film was pretty good because people, you know, because the festival accepted it. So we, mm-hmm. so we do have some really, we do search for some really powerful films as well as take, you know, submissions uh, of films. And so we try to find the best stories, but we, but we have so many films that we, that right now, even I'm still trying to figure out how we're going to possibly squeeze in because we just want to show, you know, and, it's, and yeah. because we, you know, you just hate to tell somebody, Oh, your work isn't, isn't real art. It's not, you know, it's not a story, but there is a story. Mm. And, yeah. um, and, you know, you watch a film and, and then when the film's over, you see all these people that worked on that one project, you know. So mm-hmm. it impacts right. a lot of people to know that their film is in the festival. If they were even the gaffer or the best board, or, you know, um, <laughs> they're excited to know that their film is in a film festival. So we want to we mm-hmm. share the excitement and, and bring people around to, to rally around them coming together with that one uh, vision of making that movie and telling that one story. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. Did you did you find any um like any through lines around themes um this year in in the uh, uh the selections and uh, the submissions? Yeah. We um usually we come usually we envision the festival as as like a burning spear, and mm-hmm. that burning spear. Is, is flying in the air and it and it lands on 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 
on racism and discrimination and injustice. And when the flame hits, it 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 spreads love and peace and justice. Mm. And um, and we um, and so the Made in Oakland is part of always our theme in a sense because we try to promote the up and coming uh, Oakland filmmaker because we are Oakland International Film Festival. So in mm-hmm. that title, Oakland. We start with Oakland, then we go international, then we go film, and then we go festival. Mm-hmm. And um, so we try to have all those pieces, you know, in in alignment as we grow the festival. And um, and this year we received films that would be somewhat of a theme that deal with mothers and sons. Mm-hmm. And um, in this particular case, the the loss of sons, and some of the films that we have opening night, for example, we're, oh, we want to we're opening up with short films that deal with this topic. Soar, Torian Soar is a mother who lost her mm-hmm. son. Um, right. On Mother's Day is another film that a mother's son is incarcerated, and I guess she finds out on Mother's Day. Um. Mm-hmm. This film out of out of uh, Bosque region is called Ama, which means mother. In that film, mm-hmm. is a, a, a mother's son is in the military and she receives a letter, and but she doesn't understand the language, so she has to drive off to an area to have somebody read to her what it says. And um, and so part of part of that is to remember our past and hopefully uh, you know, um, I'm sorry, another film is what um, what happened to Dewan Armstrong mm-hmm. Dewan Armstrong was a African American here in Oakland who I think he had some minor crime and had to was supposed to go to San Quentin uh, Santa Rita for a, a week, for a weekend mm-hmm. and he dies in, dies in Santa Rita and um, and there's no understanding of how that could have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so this film yeah. is he the so is he, he the one that um, he um, I don't know did he have an asthma attack? Yet something was happening. Um, was was he the person? I mean, it happened like last year, maybe. I think so. I think he has some kind of asthma. Yeah. They. I think that's what mm-hmm. they said. You know. Uh, yeah. But like I said, they have cameras all over the place, and you know. But it seems like when mm-hmm. some of these things happen, nobody, nothing's on the camera. You know what I mean? Like, oh, the camera didn't have mm-hmm. anything. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, we, so we want to, so we, so, so that's part of the thing, is is is, mm-hmm. is to remember, is to see that, um, you know, as we move forward, hopefully. The, you know, we can overcome the, um, you know, just the, the, the especially the, the senseless loss, you know, that's happened. Mm-hmm. So Donald Lacey would be out that day at the Love Life Foundation, and okay. we're hoping okay. that we can work on healing Oakland um, as mm-hmm. we as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be excellent. Yeah. So maybe you could um, tell our audience about the venues and um, and 
that because you have these, you know, great collaborations, and so some venues people already know mm-hmm. who've been at mm-hmm. the film mm-hmm. festival in the past, but then others like Holy Names University and the mm-hmm. um, uh, the theater um, uh, in Jack London, Jack London Cinema, and Grand Lake Theater, um, mm-hmm. and then the uh, the the uh, I don't know the name of the theater, but it's in Chinatown, and it's really nice. <laughs> well, you um, did it. Screening... <laughs> oh, did you I? Did oh, oh like, but Luther's yeah, Tap Room, that might be yeah, okay. new. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's new. That's new. <laughs> <laughs> she knew that one, too. You knew that one, too. There you, yeah. there you have it. Miss And then you got the uh, you know. the RB um, <laughs> connection thing. That's where the, um, <laughs> the press the conference is. The, uh, oh, yeah. The, um, yeah, RV Creative. RV Creative, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's the press <laughs> conference opening day on the 19th of September. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we're going to uh, migrate from there to um, to Kanya, C-A-N-A, mm-hmm. which uh, is a right. uh, Cuban uh, parlor, which is near the Grand Lake Theater. So you're just mm-hmm. a lot through away from the depending on how good your arm is, away from the Grand Lake Theater. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. <laughs> and so then after that, the film show starts at the Grand Lake Theater. And mm-hmm. uh, and, and Kanye will be more like the mixer space throughout the, throughout the night mm-hmm. um, as the films will screen all night at the Grand Lake Theater. That's opening day. And then on Friday, we're at the Oakland Asian Cultural Center and in Chinatown, and we will be uh, screening Alternative Facts, which uh, Executive Order 9066, which was the executive order that was used by our federal government to determine Japanese Americans should be placed in internment camps. Mm-hmm. And so that is on Friday the 20th And then on the 21st okay. We will be uh, also at the Asian Cultural Center And we will be featuring a feature film Out of Calcutta, India From the filmmaker uh, Amartya I uh, can't pronounce his last name But um, he is This film, He Without Himself Is winning awards all over the world Mm -hmm. and we're excited to have it in Oakland. We're showing it twice that night and then also later another day at the Jacqueline and Regal Theater and we're trying to get his visa together to get him here for the screening. Mm -hmm. Um, He is first time into the United States and we say well Oakland should be the place to first visit if you come into the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And that film is a story about a a daughter who's in search of her father who who had this passion to leave when she was a child to pursue his purpose of being a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he leaves and then I guess she, as she, she remembers him as a child. And then one day she, as she gets older, she says, I need to go find my father. And so you see her traveling through Calcutta, and as she searches, she comes across all these various uh, spiritual things um, on her journey. Um, really powerful film. 
and mm-hmm. um, and then we're doing three two days at the um, well we're also having a hip hop mini hip hop uh, festival at uh, Uptown the, uh, that Sunday oh, okay. night mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, then also during the day as you mentioned at Luca's Lounge one of those days we we are actually uh, hosting um, we're doing a podcast in a conference at Grubbs Resource Center, which is 100 Grand Avenue, just down the street mm-hmm. from Lucas. And then the Lucas screenings will, will begin at 3 o'clock to 5 p.m. And that will happen for, uh, four days uh, during the film festival. We'll be at Lucas Lounge. I mean, Lucas Tap Room mm-hmm. Lounge. And, right. um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we're going any, to Holy any, um, any, partic- any particular um, films you want to highlight um, for day four? And then also you're going to have an outdoor screening um, that evening, um, but the location hasn't been announced yet. We're actually moving that day to the final day. That'll be at oh, Forest okay. Kitchen. Mm-hmm. We're initially going to Where's do that, that day. But then we're Forest going. Kitchen? Forest Kitchen is in Oakland on uh, 25th Street. Okay. 25th Street. So it's kind of in the same area of as Lucas. Um, mm-hmm. We have a more of a permanent space that we'll be working out of, which is the Grub Resource Center. And so those other mm-hmm. locations are sort of nearby. And so okay. between the Grub is right next door to a restaurant called Alamar. Uh, so we'll mm-hmm. be that'll be somewhat of the film main office during the festival days. Mm-hmm. While these other activities okay. kind of happen, um, and then let's see, then Hobie Names University, we're featuring the film Circles, which is a, a, a documentary. Oh yeah, about. that's great. Yeah, you started yeah, justice beautiful. practice in Oakland Public Schools. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so the and but there's also a Katrina story there too. Oh, yeah, there's nice. a Katrina story yeah. there too. Yes. 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 Mm. Um, and then the following day at Holy Names, we were featuring uh, the free trip to Egypt, which is a documentary. Oh, that he, I guess he was an entrepreneur. Yeah, he was an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and he was. I guess he's from the region, and he just knew. Mm-hmm. He, and he just knows that Americans are scared of Egypt, so he decided mm-hmm. to stand out in the streets of New York and mm-hmm. have a put a sign up that says "Free Trip to Egypt," and he would pay for you to mm-hmm. go to Egypt for free. Nice. And so he takes these people to Egypt, and we follow through, mm-hmm. follow them to Egypt, and we get into the culture of Egypt through those individuals. They meet different nice. families there. They get accustomed mm-hmm. to, to what's happening, and and it really changes the, their whole life from that from that moment on. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, yes, and um, and then we then we go over to the. Um, to the Jack London Regal Theater for a few days, mm-hmm. five days, mm-hmm. and um, we're we have some really. Uh, um, it is well. It's a really the filmmaker Benny Mitchell, the third mm-hmm. is coming into from the, uh, Savannah, Georgia, from New York actually. Mm-hmm. I think he moved there as well, but he's from there. His mm-hmm. father Benny Mitchell Jr. was a reverend who's now deceased, but he was one who was a uh, really influential in in a lot of social justice work in, that, in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. One being that he was the one who spearheaded uh, Dr. King being, you know, a day off or a day on for some who volunteer on his on his birthday. And oh. um, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and he just really, as you see him speak, I mean, he has so much footage of his father. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can some of the battles he had with the mayors and uh but just his his uh, his ability to to look at justice and and then back it with 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 the with the uh with the bible you know mm-hmm. not the other way where you where you start with the bible and then you talk about a little <laughs> justice but the way of starting with the justice and then saying okay well if you're a christian this is what you know what i mean so he would he mm-hmm. would deal with the society as it is, and then he would say, "This is what we need to do." And then he said, "Hey, there's mm-hmm. a bars here to to back that kind of action, right?" Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so that's it, it's called "It Is Well." Um, it is well. Uh-huh. It is well. Yes, it's a feature documentary, and that's, that's on, on and that's on Tuesday, September twenty fourth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, um, six p.m. I was with Walter mm-hmm. Turner. Okay. Walter Turner was like, "Man, that is the film. That is the film." So. <laughs> Uh huh. So, okay. Yeah. So we're excited to have Benny Mitchell, mm-hmm. his son, come here and talk about it. Um, mm, nice. And and another film which is really uh, one that we haven't spoken about too much is called Iron Grit, which is um, mm-hmm. it's a really well done documentary that um, it it it's it's in I think it's in Mississippi it's in Birmingham I believe which was one of the most, at a time, one of the most racist, racist cities in the United States, mm-hmm. is what people say, um, and um, and how they were how they elected the first black mayor to Birmingham oh. um, mm-hmm. after a major, like a, a a black girl was actually murdered by a police officer, and mm-hmm. um, and it really almost. Really tore up the city, and mm-hmm. and sort of and I just and this, so this film really is really is such a well done piece to just talk about the the actual racial tensions, but then how they were able to come together and elect their first black mayor and make some mm-hmm. positive change in Birmingham, Alabama. So that's mm-hmm. called Iron. Yeah. But, you know, it's almost like a parallel between, um, you know, when Dr. King was killed and uh, and then Johnson signed the, uh, the um, was it the Voting Rights Act or the Civil Rights yeah. Act? He signed one of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was almost like voting rights. Yeah, so that, you know, this country would not explode. He's like, okay, well, let's give it to them. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, Johnson, um, I, well, from my understanding, Johnson signed that. Uh, before King was, so it must have been one or the other, because he he signed the Civil Rights Act before he, uh, after John John F. Kennedy was assassinated, because King oh talked okay about John F. Kennedy that was the one and, okay yeah yeah because King talked about okay. that in his last book, uh, where do we go from here? Chaos our community, and mm-hmm. he starts the book right. off. Talking about mm-hmm. how 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 Johnson signs this Civil Rights Act, and mm-hmm. and then pretty much people went home, and the movement sort of mm-hmm. stopped, stopped. And yet, and then they right. became more targets. 
for all the people that mm-hmm. kind of work together. And um, and then that was his last book he wrote, and he was just asking me what about mm-hmm. a year and a few months later. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was it was um yeah it was it was uh Kennedy that was killed then. I just I knew somebody mm-hmm. it yeah, yeah when he did it the timing killed. was. Right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. wow, yeah. Iron Grit sounds yeah. really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, who was, who and then was we that have, first mayor? The first mayor was, I believe, what was his name? I Let me see, what was his name? I forgot his name. But he was okay. someone who who was on city council. I mean, he was somebody, it wasn't mm-hmm. like he just popped out of the, you know, he had demonstrated a certain amount of leadership in the, you know, in Birmingham. Um, and I think he held on to it for quite a while. Um, okay. But that's yeah. Iron, that's the film Iron Grit. And I, and I think Jamel will be here, Lawan, who's the director. Um, and okay. that's one thing about the yeah. festival that we're so excited about is that you get to meet the filmmakers and, mm-hmm. you know, ask them questions and really get a chance yeah. to know. Um, there's a, yeah, there's one I found filmmaker. his name. Um, mm-hmm. uh, his I found the mayor's name. Um, his name was uh, is Richard uh, Arrington Jr. and uh, he served for 20 years from 1979 to 1999. Wow, 20 years! Wow, as mayor. See, yeah, 20 years. Yeah, and he and well, I was going to say the filmmaker um, may 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 met. Um, may met. Mm-hmm. We have two. We have two feature films from him out of Turkey. One is called oh. Free Slave, and one is yeah. Called, that was, the title looked interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it is mm-hmm. interesting. It is very interesting. Um, and this, I want to read to you what how he describes his film uh, because it is one of the most detailed I mean after you hear what I'm about to read you're like okay now I've seen the film oh (laughs) okay how people people describe their film to you and Mm -hmm. like you say Mm -hmm. okay give me a synopsis and this person writes this and I'm trying to find it while while you're here I got you here okay well let me start with the film okay here it is okay Maymet being an idealistic man of principle has decided to leave his job as an as an as an imam or was it imam to become a movie director imam right Mm -hmm. to become a movie director but now he finds himself unable Unable to raise the money he needs to find his new film project. Me Met is a divorced man. His wife left him because of his financial difficulties. Me Met has lost everything, everything he had, and he's now staying with his little daughter, Ace Ayes, in a hostel. In a hostel. He goes to several producers to try and convince them into making a film together, but no one is willing to invest in, in Mehmet's new film. Mehmet is in debt, and he's broke. He has extreme difficulty providing for his daughter. Mehmet is forced to put her into a children's home. He then hits a new low upon hearing the news of his mother's death. Mehmet, who is now mm-hmm. on the verge of suicide, changes his mind with the appearance of a dervish 
who gives him advice about his life. Mehmet finds a job as a as a clean as a cleaner at a hotel working under difficult conditions. He works without thinking about his loneliness and helplessness, also ignoring a, a developing illness. He visits his daughter from time to time, and then one day, by chance, he meets a disabled woman named Esma who comes from a very wealthy family. Esma recognizes Mehmet as an awarded film director. She admires him and starts developing feelings for him. Mehmet gives her <laughs> the companionship and the, and the passion that she needs. While getting to know Mehmet better day by day, Esma begins to show signs of getting better. Esma's father, Halusi, is pleased with his daughter's progress. Halusi makes Mehmet a tempting offer. He wants Mehmet to marry his disabled daughter, Esma. In return, he will support his his prospective son-in-law and provide the funding for any film project that Mehmet's been dreaming of. Mehmet is is taken aback by this offer. He realizes that that this will make him free, but a slave. Mehmet initially rejects the offer and leaves. Esma's condition becomes even worse than before. Mehmet feels deeply sorry for Esma. He decides to marry her. However, the disease that Mehmet has ignored for so long has unfortunately become fatal. Mehmet dies on his wedding day. Esma eventually returns to full health. Now, doesn't that tell you the whole movie? <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's like, okay, do I need to see the film? Right <laughs> that is the whole movie right there. I'm like, wow, you just told the whole movie. And so what's left to really, uh, for people to see, but it's a lot better when you see it all materialized. The acting is, is impeccable. And it's just one of those kind of, okay. you know, the movement, the story, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. He also has another film <laughs> called Oscar, Look at the Birds. And mm-hmm. uh, and I won't read what this oh. is about because I'll, I'll say that for you this time. But, <laughs> yeah, but that's, yeah like, that's on um, the 10th. That's on day 10, um, uh, September 28th, um, Oscar, yeah. Look at the Birds uh, at Jack London. Right. Regal Theater, right. uh, 845 p.m. for those who want to check catch that. <laughs> well, I'll read oh, a little wow. bit of that. So. I'll read a little bit of that one. Abdullah well, and Cripple. Go ahead. You're like, okay, well, Dave. No, <laughs> yeah, ahead. people can look it up. Because um, okay. we're kind of like, thanks for giving me an extra half an hour, but we're running out of time. Right. So I got somebody coming in right. on, on at yeah. 9. So I want to give you an opportunity, um, you know, to talk about some of the feature films and um, and then the, the uh, awards party. Okay. So I was so looking, because I know you have some really good features. Mm-hmm. Well, we're ending with Laura and the Beat out of Nigeria, and it ah. is like a Hollywood film. This is really showing you Nigeria, mm-hmm. um, some of the class in Nigeria, the differences, and it's and it's mm-hmm. and it's and it's about the movie industry. Kind of tells the story through the movie industry. Mm-hmm. So you have some mm-hmm. folks who have this this kind of business, and they're pretty wealthy, but then you have folks who are part of their family and not in the so wealthy parts. And um, and it really just tells you about love, and it, and it shows you this, you know, the the, the various classes. Um, we're showing the film Truth, which is um, directed by Charles Murray, uh, starring Michael Beach. You heard of Michael Beach? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh-huh. so he's a, yeah, he's a pretty big actor. Uh, Simone Missick. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard. She's pretty oh, big. Yeah, I've heard of. Yeah. Actor. Mm-hmm. Huh? Uh, she's doing this yeah, judge. Mm-hmm. And so this film is really 
Um, her brother is a journalist, and she shares with him an affair that she's having with a pastor and how some mm. things are coming online and how she's getting some kind of threats or something, and then she disappears. And so it's a more of a mystery uh, film. Um, it's called Truth. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and then uh, two important films, uh, Ira Lee, who we've showed last year some films by her. These aren't features, but mm-hmm. they're two short films. One is called Wantox, which is dealing with mm-hmm. the climate change and the mm-hmm. – um, and also the the independence of the, the West Papa resistance against the Indonesian occupation, and um, mm-hmm. and how they've been forty years, uh, you know, celebrating their forty years of independence, uh, but yet, I'm sorry, the Melanesian Arts and Culture Festival celebrating its forty years of independence, but the still West Papa is still going through uh, what it's going through with Indonesia, where they're pretty much taking all the the trees and you know clearing all the land off and and just devastating the area and um, and it also shows how the fossil fuel in America and other places is affecting the the water that's rising there because of the climate uh, and how people are having to move from the shorelines in search of better places mm-hmm. to live. Um, and so we have to, you know, do something with our fossil fuel. So this is a really, you know, it really just shows you how we're really all connected more. You know, the earth is so small. Um, mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. Sleeping Dogs Lie is out of Sacramento. This is a feature film. It's oh, one of those nice. really r- rough, it's one of those rough, like, like um, you know, it's <laughs> like like the title said. It's a, it's a real kind of like a, I don't want to say a mystery, but there's some some knocks in the head and a little drama there. It's kind of a, a, a I won't say like a Hollywood film, but the kind of films that people are sort of used to, where the bad guy's trying to, you know, has to pay a debt, and then all of a sudden, you know, by a certain time, so he so he actually finds himself in a situation that is not really what he normally would do, you know, mm-hmm. and so um, so that's that film, and um, and let's see. And not black enough is is one of those. Oh, good. Yeah, I was going to ask um, you about that like, one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a film about class warfare and the cross ties that African Americans are dealing with within the community. Mm-hmm. You know how people are when you're, you know, it's like a, like if you speak a certain way, like are you, is that person black or you know, right? Um, they mm-hmm. educated a certain amount. Is that person? Mm-hmm. Black? And so it, it sort of brings that topic out um, for discussion. Um, mm-hmm. Because oftentimes, you know, I guess, you know, the media has defined what black is so much that I think many people mm-hmm. believe that's what black black is, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this film sort of counters that um, through through this documentary. Um, and and then, as I mentioned earlier, we moved our date from the 27th for the outdoor screening, um, and that oh. will be our closing date on the 29th. And so we will mm-hmm. have our awards. We're going to have like a, a Made in Oakland event, which will have different vendors and uh, music and and then the awards. So it's going to be an outdoor event um, at mm-hmm. uh, Forge Kitchen. Right. Yeah, I wanted to ask you really quickly about Othello, um, because it's going to be um, through the lens of the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense and, yeah. and Mood Lavender, um, a prospectus. Yes. Um, 
And I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm just getting the image for that film, Mood Lavender. Um, Mood Lavender is a film that looks into the Harlem Renaissance period. Uh, Richard Mm -hmm. Philipson uh, is a professor who has this uh, research on the on the gay uh, black in you know Harlem Renaissance period. So this film kind mm-hmm. of shows some of that that happens during that time period. Um, the film, okay. the Othello one, is called Iago, which is tells mm-hmm. um, it's 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 it, it actually shows the party, the Panther party, in a different in a very Shakespearean way. So they mm-hmm. all they dress like panthers, they move around like panthers, but they're all speaking to each other in this very Othello, <laughs> old Shakespearean uh, way. So it, 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 uh-huh. it, I mean, but it's cool. It kind of it moves in a certain way. The acting is really good, and um, they did a really good job out of Los Angeles. Um, and I and I'm and I'm and there are really two big other short films. One is called My Father's mm-hmm. Believe which um, is starring Roger Governor Smith, who may be here. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, um, and this story is dealing with a young man, I guess, who visits his family in Belize, and he happens to, uh, you know, be on the road with his cousin, and, and he sees this young lady whose car has broken down on the road, and then you mm-hmm. pick up that that was somebody that he knew from the past, Mm-hmm. On a previous visit, but now he sees a child that looks like him, and so he has to make a decision if he is going to go back to the states or become a dad. Uh huh. Um, and and take care of this child with this, you know, with his old, you know, flame, and in mm-hmm. the process of it, he learns. Some things about his own father. So it's a really good thirty-minute film. It's winning awards and and you know just won some awards at the Hollywood Short Film Festival. And uh, the filmmaker Leon Lorenzo is I think they call themselves the Sons of Oakland when they made this. That's their production company. And so we're excited to have the Sons of Oakland come back to Oakland, like the, I guess like the Prodigal Son in a sense. They're coming back. <laughs> to Oakland, the right. Yeah, I just wanted to thank uh, you so much, and I, I wanted uh, you to yeah. give our audience information about, um, about you know, sort of how they can run through this festival a little slower insofar as planning their attendance. <laughs> so if you could give the website, that would be really super. And do you still need volunteers? Yes, yes, we still need volunteers. Uh, we have a link on our website, which is OIFF. .org, so that's the acronym for Oakland International Film Festival, OIFF.org. And, um, and yeah, take it slow, you know, when you come out to our event because we really want you to uh, – the activities that we have in the day are really centered around you coming in the day but staying throughout the night. So you pack your backpack up and you maybe bring some <laughs> granola bars or something and a couple of bananas or orange and then you you know you come and you stay around for a while and the idea Mm -hmm. especially for the film community is to meet one another and to um and to share your projects your works um because that's what 
you know, that's what a film festival is really about. It's really about the networking and the sharing of, of information and stories. And so if you're a writer, if you're a director, if you have an interest in it, you want to act, I would say this is a great place to get started. You might find somebody there who wants to put you in a film or share your, your script or, you know. And so mm-hmm. um, so starting on the 19th, we kick off and we end on the 29th, as I said, and as you've been saying. And I'm, once again, so thankful, Wanda, for being on your show. And I want to congratulate you because I know I don't know how many years it's been, but you've been holding it down and for <laughs> for quite a while on your home front. It's, and I'm sure your your yeah. your children. I think you're a grandmother too now. So you know when when you started, you weren't a grandmother <laughs> when you first started. No, so I wasn't. Like, time, time hits us all, right? He said. <laughs> right, totally. Right. Yeah. Yes, it's been 11 years, and, and we'd love to be a sponsor, um, you know, um, in coming years. Um, I don't know how one does that, but, you know, certainly, you know, we support your work, all of it, um, you know, the Thank festival you. and everything else you're involved in. So, yeah, let me know how we can we can do that. Please, yes. Um, okay, I will consider it done. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, and then... <laughs> I hope to see you during the festival, and you you do have my information. Oh, certainly, so certainly. Let me know if you you know. Let me know if you, whenever you're coming, I look forward to seeing you. Yeah, and perhaps you know I might be able to speak to some of the directors that you shared with us, um, uh, you know, uh, during this conversation because some of them, um, like uh, Audrey Condicorn, we we've uh, we've spoken to her when her her film was a part of. Um, of the uh, SF Indie Festival, and we also spoke to um, the director and um, and the uh, subject of the film Circles. I just can't bring their names to mind. Um, uh, but if you if you can, uh, Eric Eric Butler, uh-huh. Eric Butler, right? Yeah, and and yeah. Cassidy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm really glad that Oakland is getting a screening because that was the other was in San Francisco, and maybe people missed it. Um, so that's really awesome. But my other guest is in the studio now, and so I need to um, to, to welcome her in. But, yeah, I'll okay. totally uh, let you know when I'm coming, and, and I'll be in okay. touch with you and Jackie about uh, directors I'd like to speak to, which would be really awesome. Oh, very good. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Sure. Right. Congratulations okay. again. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Right. Bye, David. Bye-bye, Wanda. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, good morning, Emma uh, Van Lair. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> fine, fine. It's so funny. You know, like you said, you know, um, you know you're know, you so wonderful in, in House of Joy uh, currently extended at, I'm so happy it's been extended for a couple of days yeah. at um, Cal Shakes. So there's going to be uh, a Saturday evening um uh, performance this coming Saturday at eight o'clock, and then Sunday, another four p.m. Um, you know matinee, and so it's really great that you all have generously um, uh, agreed because <laughs> it's hard, <laughs> particularly for you and and the other um, you know women who are guarding the harem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. you are it the was... you know you are the the best. <laughs> you are the the most efficient warrior, you know, guard yeah. and um <laughs> it's, it's, Yeah, but it's this is a lot of fun and I'm I'm excited that we got extended. I was I was very happy when we got extended even oh. though it, I mean, it is a hard show, but um mm-hmm. I just think it's I just think it's a fun story, you know, cuz I feel like you don't get to see those type of women characters a lot, you know. You don't really get to see 
women, uh, you know, using their bodies, like, in strength and, like, fighting and and mm-hmm. doing those kinds of things. So I was excited. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember when uh, Madri uh, Shekhar um, had her, her play read as a part of the uh, the Bay Area Playwright Festival last year, and, and then, like, here we are, you know, yeah, know, a world premiere in the Bay, not somewhere else, and, <laughs> and you it's know, the really direction, awesome. you know, with... Um, yeah, with Megan uh, Sandberg, uh, is it Zakian? Is that how you pronounce her last Zakian. name? Zakian. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, my gosh, and those costumes, oh, you all look so marvelous. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that was that was like my um, favorite part is like when we finally put on the costume, it was just mm-hmm. like, it was discovering the show in a whole nother way um, mm-hmm. because, you know, it just came to life in a different way that, it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't alive before in the, um, in the rehearsal room. So it was really cool once everybody put their costumes on what that did for, um, you know, just the way people would carry themselves and the way they spoke and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then I think you know because the costumes are so gorgeous and such a landscape within themselves that the set can be um, can be understated because mm-hmm. if, if you know um, I think the scenic designer you know Lawrence E. Moulton the third I think you know sort of the the relation between the set and the costumes. So the costumes are, are like the set almost, you know, because we yeah. can't take our eyes off of you all. It's like, oh, my God, look <laughs> at those shoes. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that the fabric and the gold highlights on your your um, uniforms. Like, ooh, how beautiful. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, you want to wear yeah. it every day. <laughs> yeah, and then and then we get close ups because you all move throughout the theaters. Like we turn around, it's like there she is! Oh my God! You know, like when <laughs> when um when Gulal um you know uh, Nandita um, Chinoy's character is behind us when you know when 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 she moves into the theaters, like we get a good look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Rotimi's uh character, um, you know, Rotimi Salima, Rotimi uh Ag, uh let's see how to pronounce it. Ag Biaka. I think that's um, close. I, I'm not quite yeah. sure myself. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. I wish Rotimi was on the air with us and he could like Okay, yeah. you're getting better, Wanda. Um but he, but his character is Awesome, Salima, and then the relationship that Salima has with Hamida, um, or Hamida. Um, yeah, why don't you talk about the the play and the historic context and and your dilemma? I just think it's like wonderful. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so the play is it's it's influenced by like some historical facts, but it's not like necessarily. Um, <laughs> Harkening to like a very specific time or a very specific empire, so you know Mm -hmm. it takes place in a time like 17th century Delhi, 
in the Mughal Empire, and um, and it's it takes place in a harem, which I think our our playwright Madri she was uh, she learned that um, that in in the harem because they were like female only spaces except for like if there was a doctor that came in who would have to be like blindfolded to to mm-hmm. go and do his work that the women in the harem did everything. So that includes being a bodyguard. So when she found out that like women in the in the harem were bodyguards to protect uh the other women in the harem from, you know, whatever threats that that may exist, she that kind of like was uh where she kind of sprung the story from and she wanted to write mm-hmm. kind of like an impossible story, uh, which <laughs> it was quite impossible. It changed up until the very last minute of, you know, up until opening night, it was, the script was still changing. Um, mm-hmm. But um, so, yeah, my character, Hamida, she, she grows up in, she grows up in this harem. She was taken from, um, some land that was conquered by this empire, her and Salima, and they're brought to this harem to be, you know, people of the empire, you know, and Salima, you know, becomes a eunuch, and um, Hamida becomes a bodyguard, and um, Hamida grows up thinking that, oh, you know, life in the harem is perfect and believes all the, like, the propaganda and the things that are told to her about this place that she called home. And one day mm-hmm. she, she learns something that doesn't quite fit the narrative that she's been told her whole life. And it's so, it, it, she's so disillusioned by it that she decides to act. And um, it's just, it's a really cool story because I feel like for Hamida it's a, it's a, like coming of age story, um, mm-hmm. where, and I and I told this to a group of students that um, came to watch the show that it feels like, mm-hmm. like every one of us, I think in our lives we come to a point where, you know, our eyes just kind of open and we we understand things a little bit different, we process things a little bit differently. And for some people, it happens very early on. Some people, it happens later. And I feel like mm-hmm. what happens in this story is that you see Hamida um, come, like, that spark happen where it's like, oh, wait, things aren't how people have told me they are. And what am I going to do about it? Um, will I do anything about it? You know, mm-hmm. uh, and I, and I think that we all get asked that question at some point in our lives, and and we continue to get asked that question um, when we know that something uh, really terrible is happening, and and we know our role in allowing it to happen. You know, so it's mm-hmm. it's not something. You know, there's often things that happen that you know we are also complicit in, and will we continue mm-hmm. to be complicit and turn a blind eye? Or will we stop and try to find another way? And I think that's the kind of the story and arc line that Hamida has. And actually, I think quite a bit of the characters have by the end of it, by the end of the story. Everybody kind of um, reevaluates their relationship to this system and 
the empire and what's important and that kind of thing. But it comes at different stages for different characters. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the very interesting things about the play. Right. Yeah, yeah. But then you also think about sort of, um, I mean, it's it's a really, there's a lot of violence um, in, in, the, in the story uh, insofar as, I mean, uh, different characters experience different levels of loss. Um, you know, your character, Amida, lost her, her family and her culture. Um, mm-hmm. Because when she arrived, she's a, you know, she's a child. She is raised in this. This is what she knows mm-hmm. as well. And, and um, you know, and Salima is a little older, so Salima knows, you know, sort of what was, you know, a little has a more... Uh, memory or context around well what was and what is now and and I think comes to a place because, you know, when he, you know, is castrated and becomes a eunuch, you know, you can't go mm-hmm. back to that. So right. obviously, you know, you have to either reconcile yourself or, or, or die <laughs> or something. Mm-hmm. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah, so Salima is basically the company company woman man, right? I mean, you know, it's like, um, this is the best, you know, I can't do any better. And girl, you need to yeah. get it together. <laughs> Cause like, what is out there for you? You know, you don't know this. And, and, yeah. you know. And mm-hmm. yeah, something we talked about in the room uh, with, with Salima's character was, you know, there's, there's a few times in the play where, you know, Salima's making these like proclamations about, mm-hmm the empire and and the greatness of this empire and how mm-hmm. how we should all be grateful that we get to be subjects of this empire and that kind of thing and it and it's interesting because it's like you know obviously like like you said there i mean this world there there there's a a considerable amount of like violence or trauma that some, these characters have gone through, and it, it's a thing like how do you how do you like you said reconcile with that? Um, how do you come to terms with it in a way that allows you to function? You know, and um, and and so we were talking about in the room how like this the narrative that is told about the empire like like. You have to buy into it, otherwise, otherwise, you see how you have been wronged, and you mm-hmm. see it as, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a it's quite a conundrum, <laughs> you know, if if you mm-hmm. don't buy into the the a narrative and spew it to others as well. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, because you think about you know the uh, the princess you know and 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 the uh and the emperor whom we don't see, but we definitely see evidence of of his presence you know right. um um all over the place i mean like <laughs> i mean like he is present um, <laughs> right. you know whether we're thinking about Salima and what happened to Salima or you know we're looking at you know um his daughter is that um is that nora is that is she the is she the princess? Yes, Nora is the okay. princess played by Lupika Shah. Right, yeah, Lupika mm-hmm. Shah. Yeah, and then and then the wife, the young wife, uh, Miriam, right? Um, right. And 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 that's uh, Renabeth uh, Apost- Apostle. Is that how you pronounce yes. her name? 
Right, right, yeah, and she's gutsy, isn't she? I mean, they're both yes, like Nura is. and Miriam are both <laughs> gutsy, like, whoa, and they clash, of course. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that, that's something I yeah. love about this play, too, is that despite, like, you know, the underlying things, you know, that are happening and stuff like that, the women in the in the story are very strong. They're very strong, and they mm-hmm. have... Um, you know they're they're they they take the agency that they are allowed to take that they're able to take mm. um mm-hmm. for their particular mm. situation and it also like I feel like it highlights the different ways resistance happens you know like mm-hmm. yes you know people don't all resist the same way because we're not all the same people we don't have the same experiences we don't have the same skill mm-hmm. sets you know. Um, and we don't have the same positions of power. Uh, so so it's really interesting in this play to watch these women who are all all um, gears in a system, how they try to subvert this system in their own way, uh, whether it's conscious or unconscious, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I and I just love I just love um, you know, Salima's character because Salima's been there for a minute and so and have some context. And and so, you know, whenever Salima shares a story, then it's like, ah. Oh, um, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. You know, just not yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not just like a blind um uh, acceptance. Um, Salima right. is very astute and knows exactly what's happening. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and and that yeah. again highlights, I think, the the different experiences that are happening in the play. You know, people have mm-hmm. different perspectives, and so they they figure out a way to survive in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And that's yeah. that's how we that's how we operate in our lives as well. You know. Mm-hmm. I have a different like sensibility than you than the next person mm-hmm. because you know we have different experiences and we have a different context for the 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 things that we're seeing in real time, you know, so yeah, mhm, yeah, 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 well, the reason why we're sort of circling and not actually I want to let our audience know um saying exactly what we're thinking is because we don't want to spoil it for you um. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you should come watch the show. At you don't want to miss it. Right. You don't want to miss it. It's been extended just for you. <laughs> yes. Saturday yes, and Sunday. Yes. And right, I think also right. they're doing um Cal Shakes for this weekend is doing a flat rate ticket of forty dollars. So like even if it's mm-hmm. like a hundred dollar ticket, it's gonna only cost forty dollars and it's so if you are under thirty, you can go and watch this show for twenty dollars, which yeah, is yeah, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. That is so awesome. Yeah, and and you know, back to you know, sort of talking about you know survival, and I was thinking also about the whole idea of loyalty, um, mm-hmm. and 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 sort of the choice around allegiance, and your character um, is really a good example of shifting alliances and you know as the more she learns the more she knows you know the better her choices and and I just love um 
you know, thermometer, uh, Raji uh, Asan's character, who is mm-hmm. the doctor who's blindfolded, <laughs> and yeah, his yeah. backstory, and sort of looking at class and how that for mm-hmm. a minute there sort of, um, you know, it sort of it sort of um, makes uh, you know your character see herself in a way that she's not pleased with. Um, right, and then you know, yeah, yeah. So long as you could talk a little bit about about your character's sort of, um, you know, sort of uh, choices she makes, and uh, you know, and you know, the more information she gets, and also her shifting loyalties. Uh, how about how old is she? Because she seems young. Yeah. So, so Hadisa is written to be in her like early twenties. Um, oh, she's not that young. Okay, she's yeah, yeah. she's almost grown. Okay, <laughs> early twenties. Okay, yeah. this is I think this is her last stage of growth. <laughs> this show. Mm. Um, so she's like <laughs> in her early twenties. Um, mm-hmm. And like when you say shifting alliances, what do you mean? Like shifting from like, <clears throat> like you know, sort of like her sense of right and wrong. Like for instance, when we meet, oh, okay. when we meet, um, we meet her with uh, Roshni. Uh, you know, Sango uh Tajima's um character and they're like they're on duty together and they're also friends. But Rashmi has a different experience when be- you know, before she arrives, you know, mm-hmm, at the mm-hmm. um um uh I guess I don't know, it's not castle. Um arrives at the palace. Um she's she has had a she's had a rough experience and and uh and and she and she has you know she she has um told herself that she's going to survive she's going to live and so right. she you know she has her stylized way of fighting you know mm-hmm, um which mm-hmm. um uh which you know with Tamida your character excels at but sometimes you know yeah. you, you don't have all that you just got to get down yeah. and dirty and like live mm-hmm. and, yeah, yeah. and and just sort of that that particular conversation but when we meet them you know, they're just being, you know, young women, you know, trying to pass the time, you know, during a quiet time, um, you know, in the palace, and there's nothing going on, and it's late night, early morning, and they're mm-hmm. trying to, like, liven it up, so they're playing around, you know, <laughs> they're playing this game, you know, where they're, <laughs> yeah, so you want to talk about that as well as, you know, sort of how, you know, your your character definitely, she, she you know, as as the play progresses, she is changing. Yes, and her loyalties yes, are is. shifting because cause she doesn't know everything. Like she finds right. out, wow, there was. You know, we don't hear we don't hear her say wow, but it's like, but in her actions, we see we see shifts. Right, right, yeah. I mean, and and that's the thing. Like, I, I think I just I think that Hamida just goes from being a very naive person who just who she doesn't have a reason to not believe the things that she's told because she doesn't see anything that that is different from what she's told until she does and when she does mm-hmm. then her, because because she sees that then she i think she just starts understanding other things in a different way and is more curious to find out actually what's going on so she starts asking questions and getting mm-hmm. answers that um, just just compel her to act, um, and mm-hmm. uh, 
yeah, I, I think I, I just I feel like the the audience. I think that the the play, you know, it starts out like, oh, you know, are you ready to enter paradise? You know, we have that whole beginning um, chorus of like saying how wonderful this empire is and how it's a privilege for you, the audience, to get to be here and see the inner workings of it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But but slowly but surely, the audience's eyes also get opened as Hamida's eyes are getting opened. And, you know, they, the, the audience starts finding out things as Hamida is finding out things, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and that comes from a, a variety of places. That comes from you know, talking to the talking to the, the the doctor who is of the outside, and and knows things that like no one in the harem is allowed to know. He accidentally lets some things slip that he's not supposed mm-hmm. to, and you know, so that that you know perks Hamida's ears. She hears, you know, she talks to Roshni about her experience on the outside, which is news to her. She thought that oh, well, if things are great here, they must be great everywhere in the empire. No, not mm-hmm. necessarily, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that changes, that, again, changes her. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, um, yeah, I was just thinking as sort of like, um, you know, there are these, you know, you, you can't escape the harem. I mean, if people want to, if the women want to leave, they will be seen, and they could be arrested. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about, you know, the dungeon, you know, and I was thinking <laughs> about sewers, you know, like, okay, it's kind of yucky. Um, do we want to go that badly? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and then and then sort of juxtaposing, you know, um, uh, Hamida with, um, you know, her um, her idol, uh, Gulal, who, you know, who has survived, you know, multiple served under multiple emperors and and she also doesn't question even though i'm sure she's she hears things it's not her yeah. job um and i right. just think about the uh the dora uh, malaje um of um black panther, oh, black panther. and yeah. how yeah black panther the film and how when um uh, eric uh killmonger uh defeats the king um it's like we serve you know he has the loyalty of of the women warriors because um they say we serve we serve the the position not the person he was he was the position you said well you know how um you know you would think that they you know you know you you have allegiances with the person in the position right as as king okay right, right or right. emperor but no, uh-huh. no, you serve the position. So it doesn't matter who's holding right. the position, exactly. whether you agree with exactly. their their politics or not. You serve that particular position, and that's sort right. of Gulal's um, position. And mm-hmm. um, and you know Hamida, Hamida, you know, sort of coming up with Gulal as as her mentor, and she wants to be in that position. You know, when Gulal retires or dies in her right. roots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, defending the kingdom. Um, yeah, and so that's that's sort of a, a perspective on the position that right. doesn't allow you to think about it. You just like, but 
Hamida shows us that that's not going to work for her because she's an independent yeah. thinker, you know. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's it's very interesting because it's like, because in, in in positions like that, I mean, yeah, what the question is like, do you serve the position or do you serve like, the purpose or like, you know, like what the person that is like doing it, if the person is a good person, mm-hmm. then you have no qualms with serving them in that position. Right. But if the person is not mm-hmm. necessarily a good person, then, then what, you know? Uh, and yeah, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a very, um, that's exactly what it is. Um, and it, it, it's a, that's a, it's a hard, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing because if you mm-hmm. say, Oh, I'm not going to, serve this person in this position anymore, then you're putting yourself at risk, <laughs> mm-hmm. of, you know, right. and, and who else, you know, you may be putting your family at risk or your friends or something mm-hmm. like that, um, mm-hmm. and, and at what point do we stop, at what point does our duty change from, like, what our position says it is to what our conscience says it is, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a do you have a favorite scene? Um, you know, sort of a transform transformative scene or just a scene you really like and you don't have to be in it necessarily. Your character has doesn't have to be in it, but do you have any favorite scenes or any favorite lines? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my favorite scene is probably in the second act when when Hamida talks to Salima. Mm-hmm. And you know when they're they're up on the the gate and they talk, they have that conversation about you know where they come from and mm-hmm. you know whether this place is worth it or not, and mm-hmm. uh, and then it going into the the scene with Roshni also mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, checking on each other and seeing each other's okay. I think that's I think that's my favorite part of the the play because mm-hmm. especially with with Salima you know it's a rare moment of like getting to ask getting to really talk to a superior you know like off the record mm-hmm. in a way right mm-hmm. and I and I, I just think it's a really nice a nice uh, picture of their relationship mm-hmm. uh, yeah and similarly, also with Roshni, like it's a very nice. It shows like how much, how much you know these two friends love each other, um, mm-hmm. and their loyalties to to each other as well. So I think that's my favorite mm-hmm. scene. And then I think my favorite line comes from Gulal. Mm-hmm. towards the beginning Mm -hmm. of the second act, which I can't repeat on here because it has a curse word in it. (laughs) Um, um, (laughs) But she basically tells Hamida not to mess it up. (laughs) Right, right. In a colorful way. (laughs) Right, yeah, she sure does. Right. And, 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 you know, and then when those words come out of her mouth, I'm like, you're kind of, like, surprised. Like, really? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like, like oh, okay. so yeah, because yeah, like okay. Galal is so proper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
but you could you could definitely see uh Galal's um admiration and appreciation of Hamida's skills and 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 youthful um uh intensity and 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 um and interest and uh dedication, you know, um uh, to the position um you know that that um that she's in and that she, you know, is aspiring to um mm-hmm. yeah it's really really wonderful watching you um you fight so what did you know how to do that already because uh, you are you all are really good and you are really really good <laughs> thank you um um i i i mean like in school we've done like some like combat work but mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like this expensive i mean we were doing like we would have like half of our days be fight choreography. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we would we would do like half of our days doing like fight choreography, um, and then the other half spent on like taping the show and putting in different text changes and that kind of thing. So I mean, I was sore for a lot of this process. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, but. Sango and I, who played uh, Roshni, she we before um, the show started, we had like a uh, we had a uh, a workshop with um, David Mayer, our, um, our fight choreographer, just kind of mm-hmm. showing us like the basics of some, especially like the staff work. Um, yes. So we did that before the show started, and then once the show started, then we like really got into the nitty gritty of stuff and chore- choreographing um, these fight scenes. And yeah, I mean, it was it was very intense. It was very intense, and um, it was you know there was a period of time where it, it was awkward because it's like you're having to get used to like using these these weapons, these tools as like an extension of yourself. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so it was a, it was, it was a journey <laughs> to get to mm-hmm. yeah. uh, the final product of the scene of the of the fight. So yeah, it was great though. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah, right. Because you got these big long sticks, and then you got you know the regular swords, and you got a curved sword, and yeah, I mean you just you wear them well. Oh my goodness, <laughs> y'all just like stepping. Look at you, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And right, and you know, and you're you're a person of African descent, you know, and Salima is and you know, we got all these these women of color and it's like, Oh my god, you know, this is like yeah. so cool and the women outnumber the men on stage. It's like oh. Yeah <laughs> More of that. Yeah, it's pretty mm-hmm. powerful. Mhm. Totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. And it's so interesting, you know, um, you know, you are you came here, you know, to go to um to get your MFA at um uh at ACT uh, American Conservatory Theater um uh school and you're like in your third year I guess your third and final year and it's amazing this is your professional theater debut I mean yeah. like really you must have like yeah. all your 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 email box must be so full your phone must be so like <laughs> off the hook with messages like really? <laughs> Yeah, it is, and I'm like I feel so, I feel so lucky that I got to you know bring in my third year with this show, and 
Um, mm. I hope that it's a, a sign of things to come in the future. Um, but, oh, yeah, it's been, it's been a really amazing <laughs> experience. Right, yeah. And I guess so. your parents came um, to the opening night or something, right? They actually came this past weekend on Saturday. So, oh, really? yeah, they came okay. later in the run. Mm-hmm. Because they, you know, they had to organize flying from Houston and that kind of stuff. So, but Mm -hmm. yeah, they really, really enjoyed it. My little brother also came and watched and um, Mm -hmm. yeah, they really, they really enjoyed it. So it was nice, nice. It was exciting to have them in the, in the audience. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so um, uh, they forgive you um, now for not going to business school? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. You know, we had that talk some years ago, and, uh, you know, I think that they think I'm serious now, you know, <laughs> that it's not just a pipe dream. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah, because there's, like, there, um, you know, you know, people think, you know, that, you know, your character is, is you know, one of the, is the central protagonist, you know, Hamida, because so much, so much, she holds so much of, of what happens, you know, in her hands, uh, and then and then others think, you know, Galal, like ah, you know, because of what what you know she ends up saying, and then and mm-hmm. then you think about Nora, you know, the princess, um, whose father is just like mad, crazy, um, <laughs> like whoa, like what is he thinking? He's not thinking. Okay, <laughs> like wow, you know, it's such a patriarchal system. You know, um, but I think Salima, you know, this is such a, it's like a Shakespearean kind of, kind of, um, uh, sort of form in that Salima is like the voice, you know, like sort of, uh, it's Salima's voice sort of like the through line, like you just follow what Salima says and then, and then you kind of get it. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, similar to, you know, Shakespeare having that kind of character that's sort of like the sage, but a lot of times it's. The, the character seen as the buffoon or the fool, but really is you know mm-hmm. the character is the one that can you just just follow the line, follow what this character says, and it it makes sense and you get it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you know, sort of thinking about you know, sort of juxtaposing all those different characters, um, I was wondering um, about if you could talk a little bit about your character's relationship with Nura, uh, you know, the princess, Lipika, uh, Lipika Shaw's character. And and then um, in concluding, I was wondering if you could just talk about um, just sort of where you go after Hamida. Like, okay, like you know, um, I mean, you play some really cool characters, like you know, Medea, which is like, mm-hmm. oh my God, really? Um, and Hermia, <laughs> you know, and I miss someone. I was like, really? Like, and now you're Hamida in a world premiere, and it's like, yeah. alrighty. So how can you just go sit in the class and I like, say, okay, I'm a regular person? And I was like, no, never again. You're, you're <laughs> <laughs> well, um, <laughs> so, um, so like the relationship with Nora um, between her and Hamida, I think mm-hmm. it's um, it's not really. I don't think they have they don't have much contact because you know she's so much higher up in rank in the in, in the hierarchy of the harem than Hamida mm-hmm. is, and I think that they kind of run across each other's paths by chance really uh and and i and i think i think that also that like 
the fact that they don't really know each other, you know, and there's not that much mm-hmm. contact. I think that is that adds to like Hamida not really knowing uh, the world view necessarily that like Nora has, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that because because they're so separated because of class and rank, um, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of understanding that can happen on each side because, you know, Hamiza assumes certain things about Nora and Nora is a princess, so she doesn't have to think about Hamiza. Mm-hmm. It, uh, except for in the context of like, is she doing her job? You know? Right. So, so that, that's an interesting thing. And, and so I think that that, that moment at the end of the play mm-hmm. between Hamida and Nora is particularly powerful uh, because because of that. So yeah, that, right. that's another yeah. interesting arc of a relationship. Um, mm-hmm. Even even though their contact is very small, um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. <laughs> in terms of like, and then to conclude, you know, like with talking about like going to school and so you know, I so this is my third year and. Um, my last year here, well, at least at, at mm-hmm. school, like not necessarily like in the Bay Area, but like at school. Um, and mm-hmm. so in our in our second semester, we do a showcase that happens in mm-hmm. San Francisco, L.A., and New York for industry professionals. Okay. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping that I can bring some part of House of Joy into that showcase, mm-hmm. maybe a fight scene or something. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I, I just think it would be cool to like continue playing these like really strong women that like can fight. <laughs> I just think that mm-hmm. is I just think it's cool. You know, Black Panther mm-hmm. too, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, you know, because they're gonna do they're gonna do a sequel and hey, mm-hmm. you'll be available. Mm-hmm. I, I will. Ooh, like, so you know, let's yeah. let's put that into the into the ether into the universe, maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think I I I've really enjoyed you know my time in school and the characters I've gotten to play at school and and then of course like kind of it culminated. I mean, it's not my time here is not finished yet, but like being able to do this show and play this kind mm-hmm. of a character is really, really exciting to me. And I, you know, it, it makes me excited for when I leave school and, and what, and my schedule opens up and what I'll be called in for or in, in that kind of thing. And I hope it's more, mm-hmm. you know, strong women like this. So, Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Certainly, certainly, yeah. And and I'm thinking going back to, um, you know, Nora, the princess, and um, and her, well, you know, her not knowing, knowing, uh, you know, uh, Hamida, but Hamida sort of um, unwillingly coming to her attention, and and how each time, you know, there was someone who spoke up <laughs> for Hamida, like, yeah, you know, Selena, yeah, yeah, you know, speaking up, saying, no, I know her. You know, we came over <laughs> on the boat together, you know, um, yeah, when we yeah. were captured and and then Galal like, no, or, you know, don't do that, do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was it was always, you know, really great because we were seeing her heads roll all over the place very quickly <laughs> right. and and without you know, and 
and and unexpectedly, and I was like, oh my goodness, like really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we saw we saw bags with heads in them. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It's so hot. Yeah. So so one's <laughs> life. I mean, what a perilous position, you know, um, yeah. as someone to 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 be to keep you know have the safe safe keeping of you know, these precious women and children, you know, in one's hands. And, and I think Hamida and Roshni and Galal, but, but Hamida and Roshni in particular, um, you know, really took that to heart. You know, we got to keep these women and children safe. And I just think mm-hmm. that was so really admirable as well, you know, their values and their principles and why yeah. they enjoyed their jobs as much as they did is because they they really cared about these women and children. Yeah. Yeah, they did because I mean mm-hmm. it's their family, mm-hmm. you know. So right? Just, yeah. Not their family, so. Mhm. Um, you have loyalty to them. <laughs> mhm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, but I wanna. Yeah, yeah, and and to the point that you know your character, she had an off, she had you know she had an off day and she didn't even take it. <laughs> she worked on her off day. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. yeah, right. Well, congratulations, you know, on on the role and on you know you know completing this 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 uh, this part of your journey um, this coming year at you know um, at ACT. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you on stage. You're so beautiful. I just love, I love the way your hair was done. It's like, oh, that is, like, that is the hairstyle. Like, wow. It doesn't move, but it's beautiful, right? <laughs> yeah, very, Thank very you. nice. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, maybe they'll they'll make like dolls. Yeah, because I hear there might be a um, uh. Uh, a cartoon, you know, I guess maybe uh, a series, maybe, of from the play, yeah. which would be really cool. So then there will be a character that's you, and <laughs> <laughs> that would and, be cool. Yeah, and people could collect <laughs> collect the dolls. <laughs> that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think yeah, but um, I just to conclude. Mm-hmm, um, yes. To conclude, because uh, I um, I actually have to start. Uh, I'm at school right now, so oh wow, oh sorry, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. okay. Um, I just I just want to thank you for having me on the show and um, mm-hmm. just remind everybody that House of Joy has been extended on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday show is at 8 p.m. Sunday show is at 4 p.m. at Cal Shakes. Um, and it's a flat rate ticket of $40. And if you're under 30, you can get those tickets for $20. So we'd really love to see you guys there and share this story with you. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. <laughs> oh, you're quite welcome. You're quite welcome. You take good care. I look forward to hearing from you in the future. Keep keep my email address. <laughs> for sure, definitely. <laughs> cool. All right. It was take great talking care. to you. <laughs> Thank you. Good talking Bye. to you too. I look forward to meeting you at some time. <laughs> All righty. Peace and blessings. Right. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. 
So you can get tickets by going to calshakes.org, and uh, the theater is located uh, in Arenda at the Bruns um, Memorial Amphitheater, and there are rides, free shuttle from the Arenda BART station to uh, to Cal Shakes um, Bruns Theater, Bruns Memorial Amphitheater, theater. <laughs> and... Um, Wow, that's, yeah, yeah, it's a really, really great play, and you don't want to miss it. And so we are I'm trying to figure out what else I'm going to play from the archives. And um, I was thinking about, um, hmm, I don't know exactly what I want to play. So I was looking at um, Whose Streets, um, and uh, I was thinking about that. Um, but then also... Uh, yeah, I was looking at um mm, let's see. Um the sister act. Oh no, maybe the sister act uh interview was really fun. Um with Theater Rhinoceros and that was fun. So, um I was also thinking about um mm, <laughs> by the time if I don't figure it out pretty soon. Um <laughs> let's see. Um Let's uh let's do uh let's do the sister act because that was heck of fun, um even though sister act already happened, let's uh let's let's play that that interview that was really fun, so here we are, um it already happened earlier this year in May, but you can listen and enjoy. Every song that we play, every song that we play makes a bond in a way that's profound. Oh, that's so wonderful. Well, that is a little teaser um, for everyone. Um, Theater Rhinoceros presents Sister Act, the musical. It uh, had previews May 17th, opened on Malcolm X's birthday, June uh, May 19th, this past Sunday. And it continues through June 1st at the Gateway Theater, 215 Jackson Street in San Francisco. And you can visit... Uh, www.therhino.org or call 1-800-838-3006 for tickets. You don't want to miss this musical. It is so awesome, particularly because our guest um, who is on the air right now, uh, Brandon Noel Thomas, (laughs) is Dolores Cartier. Van Cartier, and you are just like awesome. Oh, my God. Thank you. Oh, wow, I mean, you are just fabulous. And it was, like, so interesting. Wow, you began singing in the 11th grade after you were admitted mm-hmm. to the Oakland School for the Arts. Like, wow, you're an Oakland School for the Arts alum? That is so cool. I am. Yes. Wow, yes. I remember when that place opened. So were you at the first iteration over at the Milanga Center in the basement or, or the new spot over by the Fox, over at the Fox I was building? part of yeah, I was part of the when they moved into the Fox Theater. Okay, okay. 
Nice, nice. Well, I wish I would have seen you as a high schooler, you know, in some <laughs> of the musicals, because um, they had some really good plays, but there was a parent that would let me know when they were growing up. And then when that parent's mm-hmm. child graduated, <laughs> I right. didn't hear about it anymore. Oh, <laughs> wow, wow. That is so cool. That, wow. Oakland School for the Arts is, has some real, has turned out some superstars. Or well, you are already superstars, but my goodness, you all have really gone on to greatness, all of you all. Like, it's really yeah. wonderful. The list yeah. just keeps getting bigger, and, it seems like, the more it goes. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, when did you graduate from Oakland School for the Arts and how how long have you been, you know, an equity actor and just blowing up the stage? Tell us about some of your you know, yeah. Tell us about yeah, some of the so, things you've done since since you graduated. So I graduated in the two thousand twelve at OSA. So not too mm-hmm. long ago. And I didn't really start right. singing much before before that, I probably started singing probably two years before that. So 2010, mm-hmm. I started singing, really. And I didn't really get into theater mm-hmm. until after I graduated, up, actually. So my first musical mm-hmm. was Hairspray with the Peter Pan Foundation. And that mm-hmm. was around that same summer of 2012. And mm-hmm. so once I started to do theater, I it really, like, sparked the inspiration and it's really sparked like a fire under me. I found like a passion that I wanted to do and that I found joy in doing more than just like when I'm at school or when my school does a play. And so once I found out that mm-hmm. I could audition other places, I just started to reach out to different theaters. And once I started to get into the scene, I found out what equity was because equity is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. It pretty much is like the union for the actors of Right. Really anywhere within uh, the United States, also like the UK, you know, there's always an equity mm-hmm. house union that we can call and reach, and it's really good mm-hmm. for actors because it it not only gives us the opportunity to have like a dental plan and insurance just in case we get hurt during a show, it's just it's just really oh, there nice. for us. Yeah, it's really mm-hmm. there for us whenever we do shows. And just for, like, safety and all those things that you can't really get when you're doing it as a hobby. It's more so, like, when you, if you're trying to do theater for a job, equity is the, the way to go. And it really supports you as an actor, which is good because actors and theater need support nowadays as much as we can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and so once wow, I became awesome. equity, yeah, I moved mm-hmm. to Vegas. Oh, and so oh, I you moved don't to Vegas anymore? about five months ago. Yeah, yeah, oh. I just moved to <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, wow. Well, I think our other, let me see, this might be um, Tammy or AJ. Uh, good okay. morning. Good morning. Hi, good morning. This, hi, Tammy. How, uh, this oh, is AJ as well. Hey, AJ. Hi, Brandon. Hi, Wanda. Hi. Hello, hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Did you get a chance to see you opening night, Tammy? To- yeah, yes, and yeah, um, exactly. And congratulations <laughs> on the raffle win. <laughs> oh, thank you. That was like so surprising. <laughs> I was like, like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm drinking out of the cup now, the mug now. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So we we are joined by uh, Tammy L. Hall, um, music director for. Um, 
Theater on Osiris, um production of Sister Act, the musical. And uh, A.J. Mitchell, both uh, Tammy and A.J. have been on the air with us before. And A.J. is the fabulous director, choreographer. He's like, yeah. So, mm-hmm. A.J., have you, have you got many awards, like from Theater Bay Area? Because you are just like a phenomenal choreographer and director. <laughs> and just yeah. like whenever you put your hands on something, it's like, Oh my goodness! Like we don't even have to know what it is. It's like AJ is involved. Like yes, we are there. <laughs> um, you know, I am. I am. I am new on the scene here. I'm still building a lot of community and credit. Um, but I, ha- I was nominated for a um, Bay Area Theater Critics Circles Award for my choreography, uh, Priscilla, um, 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, but you yeah. know, I don't do it for the rewards. I do it for the community, and mm-hmm. um, and. We'll see what happens. Just go around. <laughs> oh yeah, well, that's nice of you to say. But I would love to be able to read. Oh, and he was got the award for blah 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 for this because <laughs> Priscilla in 2017 is like, oh my goodness, just like just like Sister Act, um, the musical. I want to go back. Like a lot of times, I want to just sort of like sit outside the theater and when it opens, be in the audience every single evening until it closes. <laughs> it's that awesome. No. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and and Tammy, oh my goodness! You know, as the musical director, every evening there's going to be live music and for real. Yes, every evening. Wow, that's yeah. so awesome! How how did how did Theater Anastasis afford that? Because you don't see <laughs> live, you don't hear live music. Every single performer, usually it's taped and then played, even you know, when it's original or whatever, like you hear the score yeah. but you don't like see the see the, the musicians coming out with their instruments, you know, in their protective bags and things like that unless they have a piano which stays I'm sure at the venue. But uh <laughs> no. Yeah, we're a we are a, a trio, a piano bass mm-hmm. and drums and um and I'm grateful to Theater Rhino for for honoring that live music belongs also in the theater. Mm-hmm. And wow, honoring the really honoring honoring the energy exchange that, that 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 is. It just adds it adds a more adventurous and a more exciting dimension to the whole to the whole production. Live music is live. Come on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yes, it it's is. vital. It really is. It's vital. Mm-hmm. And so I, don't, right, right. I have to thank um thank the donors to Theater Rhinoceros, um, because I had to, you know, do a little heavy heavy foot <laughs> with the uh with the producer to to get mm-hmm. a, a decent wage for the other for the musicians and again, you know, it's for the overall elevation of community. And that includes Absolutely. music. I don't know how people would consider a musical without and and make the music a second thought, you know. That disconnect I'll mm-hmm. never understand. But Theater Rhino has moved in the very right direction with with pursuing um having live music and I'm so glad that A J uh pulled me in on this project. I'm really grateful to him mm-hmm. and I love our collaboration and I look forward to when he's writing and producing and maybe has his 
old company because I would certainly want to be involved <laughs> in that. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Oh, that my goodness. Cool. Are you working on something like that, AJ? Are you thinking about that? <laughs> I am, and um, it, it's been really great to work with Tammy in this capacity. And also, I mean, the incomparable Brandon Noel Thomas, like, Indeed. wow, what a talent, what a talent. Um, but yeah. but um, in, yeah. this, in this process, um, I, I've been able to, we've been able to take some of the music of the show and really make it our own. Uh, I've r- literally mm-hmm. asked Tammy to restructure some of the music, and we um, particularly – the Curtis track, um, just uh, mm-hmm. the Curtis track, which has been, um, which typically is this fun, jazzy piece. But we were looking at the piece and we we're like, this is not funny. This is not fun. This is real. Mm-hmm. There's real violence mm-hmm. against um, black uh, femme bodies, right? Real violence against trans women mm-hmm. and, and, and femme women mm-hmm. of color every day in our country. I mean, you just see it uh, recently with the um, with the passing of a black trans woman who was murdered in the streets, right? In Dallas. Um, in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and we see this reality daily, and I didn't want to trivialize that truth. Um, and Curtis and our uh, the, uh, the lady who plays Curtis, um, Crystal Liu, also didn't want to trivialize mm-hmm. that. So Tammy and I worked mm-hmm. collaboratively to pretty much rewrite the number, reorchestrate the number, using the same language of mm-hmm. the show, but really thinking about how would this show sound in our current day, like guys. And through that, uh, and I were like, what's up together? Oh, AJ, you're breaking up a little bit. Oh, yeah. Okay. We, we miss, we miss, we miss a lot of that. If you could um, say it again. Um, yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, so it, it feels mm-hmm. like it's percolating. Um, happened again. It's happening now. Yeah, sorry. Is this better? Yes. Hello? Is this better? Yes, mm-hmm. it's better. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also, thank you. Um, so yeah, so I was just saying that in the process we were we were looking to um, restructure and tell the truth about what what violence against um, black femme bodies and um, uh, trans bodies really are in this world. And Tammy and I mm-hmm. took the music of Curtis um, and, or the language of Curtis and basically reorchestrated that number to what you saw on the stage. And working collaboratively mm-hmm. in that way, there was a spark of Tammy and I saying, "Huh, what if we, <laughs> what if we roll <laughs> together?" Um, mm-hmm. um, so it's definitely, you know, there's pieces that I've been working on for the past several years that I'm interested in bringing to the stage. Mm-hmm. So uh, this collaboration may be something that grows from this process. Oh, that's great! Yeah, because because you are a member yeah. of the uh, a company member of the Black Artist Contemporary cultural experience and and i've seen exactly. you um uh actually i mean you're also an actor um you yes. um i saw you in um rob o'hara's um uh, uh, booty candy and american mall that's, that's right. Rafa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. awesome and 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 also it's like wow i um it's so wonderful to to see you you know um you you teach um a musical theater i, I think at um at the um uh what is it the Give me the name of it. I know it's on Grand and 
um, in Oakland. Oh, uh, but yes, what's sir. the name of oh, it? It's um, Stage Bridge. I am. Um, yeah, Stage I Bridge, was. Right. I was a part of the faculty. Yeah, I was. I was a part of their faculty for a while, and mm-hmm. um, I'm actually now. I'm not working with them as much anymore because I'm now the director mm-hmm. of theater at Contra Costa School for Performing Arts. Um, and you so are. that's taking like, up most of my time. Oh, right. yeah, I am, I am. Yeah, right. yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I'm working out here in Walnut Creek and trying to to train young minds to do this work. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I'm thinking about Brandon, mm-hmm. right, being an OSA and in that mm-hmm. community of art and performance, um, that's mm-hmm. where they got their start. That's where you guys start. And so this is what we're doing here as mm-hmm. well. And I find it really important that um, students are seeing a femme, queer, non-binary artist who is doing the work in the in the industry, um, leading their classrooms, right? It's really important to me that they're seeing that representation as educator, as director, as choreographer, and as actor. Um, it's important that they see that and they know that whatever their background is, they can do it. Um, and that's what's mm-hmm. so great about this production is that we have exploded the gender <laughs> normatives of, <laughs> of the world in this show, right? We've exploded it and mm-hmm. we've said, what like let's live in the truth of San Francisco. Let's live in the truth of gender that we want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's you know like when we when we have people like Brandon Noel, who I've seen on stage many times, and I would always say to myself, there is like, why can't Brandon exist as I know Brandon exists in these roles, right? Why did mm-hmm. why does he have to butch mm-hmm. it up for the stage? <laughs> um, which ah, which he does okay. well, right? Which which is a, which is a great. He's like you know Solomon Fat Swallers. A Fat Swallows character in Amos Brahaven. Amazing work he does there. Mm-hmm. But also, Brendan is this fabulous um, uh, <laughs> body in the, in the world. And so, like, why can't we see that also on the stage? Why can't that be honored on the stage? Why do we right. have to hide uh, pieces of our identity in order mm-hmm. to play mm-hmm. roles on the musical theater stage? And I don't think that's necessary anymore. Um, and I think it's important that we start uplifting identities on the musical theater stage in particular. I think we're better at it on the non-musical stage, the the play stage. But as far as musical theater, we are mm-hmm. stuck somehow in this idea that gender is one thing and love interests are one thing and, and yeah. race is one thing. Um, <laughs> so every lover interest is white and every every story is a straight story or a white gay story or normative story, right? And And we're just looking like, why does it have to be? Uh, why do we have to do that? Kind yeah. Of work? So yeah. We don't yeah. have we well we don't we have don't to. have to. I mean, that's exactly we can right. write the new stories. We just need to leave exactly. that paradigm behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Brandon, Noel, tell us about about um, Dolores, and um, for our audiences, maybe is not familiar with Sister Act. I don't know how anyone could not be familiar with Sister Act. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just such a wonderful. Story. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I hadn't. I hadn't really thought about sort of the trans transformative nature of of the character. You know, um, mm-hmm. um, until I until I sort of looked at the songs and how they're sung. You know, one one part of the of the uh, of the story, and then how they they change, like "Take Me to Heaven." How mm-hmm. you know, initially, it's it's one "Take Me to Heaven." Heaven is not is not the same heaven. That it is right. um, when um, your character, you know, when she sings exactly. it again. Um, yeah. Yeah, the backup girls are different too. <laughs> <laughs> Got new backup girls, new meaning to the song. You'll flip the whole script. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. But so tell us the, about tell the, us about your character and tell us what what the uh, what the play is about and why yeah, you were interested so, in in, in uh, occupying this particular role. So when I first even heard of it, uh, Sister Act is a story that I would watch as a kid, and just I was always in love with Whoopi Goldberg, who was the original Dolores Van Cartier in the movie, which was based in San Francisco. They actually changed the location for the show, but we wanted to, as AJ was saying, we wanted to stay true to, like, not only where we are based from, but from the original movie, so we put it back in San Francisco. And it really it really spoke to me because this was an opportunity to do something that doesn't really get done ever, and so it was kind of a hard opportunity to pass up in general to not only play a role that Whoopi Goldberg has originated, but one of my favorite musicals, one that's, I would say, iconic in not only the film, but in the black community, as far as I know, that's an iconic movie, iconic role that everybody's like, oh, yes, that movie was iconic mm-hmm. for my childhood and my history and who I am today sort of role. And the fact that I can bring a new light and a new image to that to open people's eyes, because that's pretty much what the show and movie was about. It was opening people's eyes, putting a new spin on something that's been done for centuries, for genera- excuse me, generations. And so I was all like, the fact that it's already known for being something different and something inspiring to people, it's great that we put this extra spin on it, and now it has another layer of inspiration and a new layer of of, of models for people to see when they come see the show. So it's really more than just like, I'm going to play Dolores Van Cartier for the last bow, because, you know, as AJ was saying, we don't do it for, like, the praise or the or the acknowledgement we do it for, I always like to say, I aspire to inspire. It's what I usually put in Mm -hmm. my bio. And that's why I got started in theater. And that's why I take the roles that I do is to inspire that one kid who's like, oh, I probably can't do theater because I'll never be able to play this role. It's like, no, if you want to play the role, you just got to keep telling them I can play this role. I know you're not used Mm -hmm. to it, but you're going to get used to it because we we have to keep this moving forward. Because it's, what, mm-hmm. 2019? It's only going to keep getting more mm-hmm. dates on and everything else, and we got to keep moving. We can't get stuck right. in what we used to do because the world is not the same like it used to be. Mm-hmm. And Dolores, she's yeah. just trying to find her way within the show as well as everyone is trying to find their way in life. She has She's dating this very bad person who owns a nightclub, and she sees him do something very bad. And so she has two options. She can either get killed by him or go to the cops and get hidden inside of a convent. So she chooses to stay alive and go get hidden in a convent, which I think is a smart idea. And so once she does that, <laughs> she just finds a new life that she thought she only saw one side of because she grew up in the Catholic schools. And so she was like, no, they just put me down. And then she got to meet some of these people who who are in that lifestyle and who chose that journey and now she gets to see how they actually feel about it and makes connections with them. It's not so much just a chastising, like you're wrong because you're different and you're the outside, which is kind of how it starts. But then once each Mm -hmm. side sees the other person's perspective of not only themselves, but the world, they're like, Oh, we're actually not that different. And it's like, yeah, we just see things differently. Like you look at a six, 
from your direction. I look at it in mine from my direction. We're both <laughs> not wrong. That's what we see from our direction. If we went to the other side, we w- I would see your six, you would see my nine, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what the story is mostly about, and it's really beautiful. I love doing the show every time. And that's the beautiful story of Sister Act and how I perceive and why I took on the role for the challenge of inspiring and challenging people's minds to be expanded within within not only theater but the world themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, any any particular um, scenes, um, anyone, um, particular song that you like, oh, my God, I just love this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love everything Brandon Noel Thomas sings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think um, any, my favorite. anything. Yes. Uh, my favorite moment of the show is um is a number called Bless Our Bless Our Show. Mm-hmm. Um and mm, it's yeah. the, the, the the all the notes are nervous about the the upcoming performance. And they're asking Brandon, our uh, Loris's character, to um, give a blessing for the show. And but mm-hmm. in the staging, uh, as I was saying, yeah, there's a there's a dance break that is in the in the number. And I was like, I don't know, this needs, needs a dance break. And we and and mm-hmm. in the collaboration, okay. we're like, let's actually just make this a moment of um, of sisters having fun and enjoying themselves and and letting their hair down and being safe and feeling confident in their space of security. Um, and it's just this really beautiful, heart-touching moment of, uh, you know, when 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 Dolores' character and Brandon plays it so beautifully, starts to see, oh my gosh, I can have a family here. I like, mm-hmm. I actually can have mm-hmm. people who love me and and care for me. And um, it's not just about competing against other femme bodies and other women in spaces, but also like the sisterhood of that. And really, like, what does it mean to be a sister? Right? There is. Um, uh, and, and there was this great quote that was I was reading uh, this week around um, it's sisters s s i s t e r s and not sister c i s t e r s right it's not just mm-hmm. about cisgender uh, women right it's oh, about like fam yeah. sisterhood fam mm-hmm. sisterhood and how that has supported and uphold and upheld us and I think about mm-hmm. stories like Compton's Cafeteria Riot and Stonewall where these fam and transgender women um, uh, film folks and transgender folks and um, um, of color decided to say we're protecting ourselves now. We're mm-hmm. not. We're no longer going to stand to to bullying or stand to um, you know police brutality or uh, heteronormative brutality. That we're going to stand together. We're going to fight back. And that for me is that moment when Dolores says, "All right, these are the people that will take care of me." Um, and they and they are my people, and even and even though it's in this place place of, uh, you know, what we consider the, the the Christian church, it actually is a place of sanctuary that is loving and kind and caring, mm-hmm. um, which is so interesting. So like I think about my own world and like as a, as someone who grew up in the Baptist church, um, and finding those moments of like there is community here, there is sanctuary here. And there's, it doesn't always have to be this this toxic place of, of violence against these bodies, against femme bodies and queer bodies, but also a place that can be community and loving and caring. Um, and that moment to me in the show is just one of the most. It always it always brings me to tears every time I see it. Every time I see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you know, um, I'm really interested in, in hearing about some of the other, um, uh, I guess, songs that. 
that you you change the way that change the presentation just because um yeah it's just, it's really interesting you know hearing about the thinking around it cuz i um uh, i really um i really like that particular song bless our show because i remember when um earlier in in the uh in the play or the musical when Dolores was asked to bless the meal and and she really didn't know how to pray and that yeah. was really funny yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah and then um um yeah and that i guess it's around the the part where you know the the song is it's good to be a nun but mother superior she was so resistant um you know she opened mm-hmm. up the house because um you know philosophically it's supposed to be a sanctuary but her heart wasn't mm-hmm. in it and so when she seems right. right here within these walls, you know, the walls are are her around sort of surrounding her perspective and her, her compassion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she sings it again, um, you know, in the same act <laughs> here within these walls. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And and it's really great that there's a um among a Monsignor um O'Hara that's above mm-hmm. the, the uh Mother Superior who likes Dolores, and likes what she brings that's fresh and different. Otherwise, um, Dolores might have been kicked out a long time ago. And and then, yeah. and then in the next, and then the next in Act Two, you know, when Mother Superior sings, "I haven't got a prayer," you know, it's sort of like the doubter, you know, like you know when you, I don't, I don't know the Bible really well, but you know, sort of like there were these people hanging with Jesus and, and they were like questioning their faith. Yeah. And and oh, it was like that kind of song for her, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yes, yes, exactly. Doubting Thomas, yep. So anyway, no, I was I, thinking about that and then I also thought and I'm, I'm gonna let you all talk, sorry. Is um about um Father Jay Matthews who just passed and how like mm-hmm. the Catholic Church in Oakland is like the it, they're all slamming, right? Particularly St. Columba. Right. And I'm like, how come, how come, you know, this, this queen, this, you know, um, queen of angels church didn't know the folks in Oakland. Right. <laughs> but, but also you, you, know. you think about, you think about that in general too, right? Like I have people who in my community who were born and raised in San Francisco who are like, I don't have any pe- friends of color. <laughs> I've never been to a drag show, or you know, it's like so. It's like this is real. I mean, okay. I, I'm, even in Walnut Creek, right? Wow. It's like there's some yeah. folks who like have never. There's some folks who've never been to San Francisco, never been to Oakland, and because they're trying to oh. find sanctuary, right? But that sanctuary mm-hmm. means to displace and to ignore and to be blind to. Like, what does sanctuary mm-hmm. actually mean in a modern day context? Right, because it should mean that you are sanctuary is open to everyone. But right now, sanctuary just means that I'm open to my people and who looks like me, who talks like me, who thinks like me. And if you're not that, mm-hmm. then you're not allowed to have my sanctuary. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that seems to be what's happening at Queen of Angels, right? Even um, the scene, right. there's another scene in the show where they're in the bar, and um, mm-hmm. the the nuns are like, "Oh my gosh, this is what music is. This is what disco balls look like." So they're like talking about sanctuary, but they're hidden. They're like they're hiding themselves. They're mm-hmm. they're in they're in they're in fear and in and, and they're ignoring the world around them. They're not opening their walls. They're not opening their hearts. They're not opening their their environment to actually offer sanctuary to those who need it. They only offer it to those mm-hmm. who maybe have the same theological <laughs> um, identity as they do, right? Which is not really what sanctuary was ever meant to be. Um, mm-hmm. 
in, 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 a, in a true sense of sanctuary, right? Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it's really it's really plausible that these folks had no idea what was going on in Oakland and didn't care to find out. <laughs> and and so more the more the latter than the former, I would say that they, they yeah. didn't care to find out. Mm-hmm. That's okay. that's what that's okay. about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's interesting, you know, that um, that this play is it it just like like you said, uh, Brandon Noel. This this is um it's a classic because it doesn't get old. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you drop Dolores in any kind of situation, you know, where you know the dominant culture is not us, and even, mm-hmm. you know, it's like. There's gonna be some some rumbling, you know, like right. you know, like will she, will she be, you know, be able to like reside there? Will she be able to stay there? You know, you think about black people moving into neighborhoods where we don't, you right. know, we might be the first family. Mm-hmm. Black kids going to schools where they they're mm-hmm. like five black children in a whole high school. My niece just graduated from a private school, and she was one uh, of five black kids, wow. and it was rough. Rough. Well, no, and all the teachers well, are white. I mean, they might have good yeah, teachers, right. but it's just like it's like it just doesn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. one of two in my graduating class. Mm-hmm. Oh, seriously? Wow. Oh, wow. Mhm. Yeah. Where'd you go? Yeah. Uh, the Hockaday School for Girls back in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Wow. The private yeah. girls school. Has it? Has mm-hmm. it is it still the same, or has it has it gotten oh, a little bit uh, they are more diverse? Oh, they're boasting and bragging now. <laughs> oh yeah, boasting they and bragging about the diversity. Really blossomed. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that's good. Is, is, that, is that diversity just in the classroom? Is it also in leadership? This is the next frontier, because <laughs> right. I said in the same breath. Well, I congratulate mm-hmm. you on your outreach to you know to the tuition community, to the tuition paying mm-hmm. community, but the te- you know, the teachers need to to be reflective of the population right. they're Absolutely. teaching. And so Absolutely. I got a little bit of uh, you know, some pursed lips on that one. So but I know <laughs> they're pursuing but it. But this is exactly this is exactly right though, right? It's like in, in the same mm-hmm. way that um I'm I, you know, I think that I've been collaborating with Rhino for about three years now and um Mm-hmm. And but that that was the initial the, the initial idea right is that well I mean a lot of, when I was talking to the community of color queer community of color around uh, productions at theater I know they were like well um, we're not it's like well that's great but they're not really selling us all the time I'm like but that is that's not we're, we this is what we're building now right we're building a community mm-hmm. where it is doing that and they and John is yeah. working actively with us and the community to make sure that that's being represented but the, it comes with though. You have to have people willing to hire <laughs> folks who yeah. match that demographic, who who right. are people of color, who are queer, who are non-binary, who are trans, to tell these stories, right? And that mm-hmm. is not just about. And also the willingness to say, "Great, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in. We're gonna I, like I need you." So I went to Jonathan. I need you to like Brandon needs to come here. Whatever it mm-hmm. takes get Brandon into this space, right? The same thing mm-hmm. with Tammy. She said, whatever it takes, we need live musicians in this space. 
um, mm-hmm. and and the and the community at Rhino said, okay, let's figure it out, <laughs> let's let's make yeah. it happen, um, because that's mm-hmm. the kind of leadership that we need. We need leadership that says that it, it's tired. We're tired of say, oh, we're bringing in our one show of color a year, um, <laughs> and we know those companies, um, mm-hmm. but have no have no directors, have no choreographers, have no folk of color actually leading these processes. And that becomes problematic, right? You want to use our talent. You want to use our voices. You want to use our, our music, our stylings. You want to appropriate that mm-hmm. culture into your theater spaces. But you don't want to do the work in finding um, – I'm going to get in so much trouble for saying this. I'm, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, but, but, but you're not doing, necessarily doing the work to cultivate a, 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 a directorship or a, a – um, choreographer or music director mm-hmm. who is of color or a lead mm-hmm. who, or a lead who is who a is lead. of color not only mm-hmm. not only is of color but is actively being represented in their portrayal of that character right they're not just doing mm-hmm. a show in blackface as i right. say but they're actually yeah. actively bringing their identity their culture their understanding uh to those roles right this is equally as important if you are walking and saying Oh well, we cast we cast a, a um, black woman in this show. It's like, well, yeah, but did you talk about her culture? Did you was she actually involved in the creation of this character, or is she just playing a white narrative in blackface? <laughs> right, you right. Know? Like, is that you know? But that so that uh, and I think I think the Bay is is doing some work in that, right? I think with the the kind of coming up and that's happening all throughout the country in regards to leadership of color. Uh, we saw it at, Oak, at at Oregon Shakespeare Festival at um, at um, Louisville, Louisville um, Actors Theater of Louisville. It's, it's, it now has a leader leader of color, um, an artistic director of color. We're seeing that happening more and more, and it's it's, it's starting. That, that transition is starting and is starting to recognize that we need multiple voices in leadership positions as ADs, as directors, as choreographers leading the charge to tell mm-hmm. these stories on stage, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we need the Brandon Noel Thomases of the world, right? We need the actors of the world who are, yeah. who are being seen and honored as they should be, right? This is it's important to be doing all those things. So that's mm-hmm. my spiel. Yeah, and I'm, okay, I know I'm going to okay. get some, some slack <laughs> about that one, but you know, it's what it is. <laughs> well, I'm with you, yeah. Yeah. and I'm beside you. I'm beside you, and behind you, and in front of you on this. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all in, AJ. Absolutely, yes. same mm-hmm. here. Because I mean, some theaters don't realize that in your community of wherever the theater is, for us, the Bay Area, the Black people do talk to each other. We do know each other. And so mm-hmm. we talk to each other. If we see a black show, it's like, oh, who's directing? If it's not like somebody who represents what that show is, it's like, it's like, oh, okay, well, who's choreographing? Still not representing that mm-hmm. show? Oh, I'm good. I, I can't mm-hmm. do a show where I'm they don't good. even know where we're coming from, you know, right. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people, it's starting to click in a little bit, but it's mm-hmm. uh, we're still not there to where it's like, the, there are directors and uh, choreographers who can represent the shows that you are choosing to do, whether you want to work with them or not. That is their personal mm-hmm. personal opinion and ideas, but that does <laughs> play a toll on who's going to come out to those auditions after you release that information. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. 
Yeah, Tammy, I wanted to ask you um, if you could um, maybe let us know who the other uh, two members of the ensemble are that um, are playing with you. Yes, we have Jay Jackson on drums, and she's um, she's a wonderful, young, great musician, and um, mm. and then Kevin Goldberg on the bass, and uh, okay. Kevin was one of my was one of my students at the California Jazz Conservatory. I uh, was subbing for Linda Tillery for a class and she was teaching there called Protest Songs mm-hmm. of Resistance and Protest. And mm-hmm. that's where I, I met that. Yeah. That's where I met Kevin. Um and he's just turned out to be a great guy, a great musician. And um he brought in Jay for me. Okay. I had another drummer yeah. lined up who because of illness and a and a really crazy schedule couldn't do it. So I'm so glad he introduced me to Jay and you know, she's working out wonderfully. Just wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so cool. I mean this whole show is just full of sort of gender bending kind of things. Like, you know, you got a woman on the drums. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> and the uh yeah, yeah, be yeah, considered and, as gender bending but it still is. Um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, interestingly enough, mm-hmm. but um, right, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, there, yeah. So, I mean, all all genders matter here. <laughs> all genders matter mm-hmm. in the in this space, That's and it's right. important to, especially you know, when you are when you're the longest running LGBTQ um, theater, then that that shift that begins to shift. Like, what are you what are you showing? Mm-hmm. Your stages begin to shift. How you're mm-hmm. talking about right. it begins mm-hmm. to shift because the the world is shifting. Mm-hmm. Around what that looks like, we're still determining language, right? Like, right. Uh, mm-hmm. like non-binary, NB, queer, trans, um, non-gender conforming. What you know, all this new language that is is happening around defining gender and identity. Then, like in the same way, the theater must match that. It must match that, right? It, like we can't stay stuck in old language. Because the theater is living, no. it's alive, it's breathing, it's it's happening. Right. So, and same with music, same with art, I mean, any art, any performative art, you have to match it. Um, you can't stay stuck, mm-hmm. right? You can't stay stuck in this world of like, well, well, it means that you know, it means one thing, it no, no longer means that anymore. It no longer means that anymore. So, how do we represent that on our stages, um, and with with the things we're presenting? And I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. the Bay Area that's doing that now, right? I think of um, you know, theater first that is really yes. in some ways leading that charge of making sure mm-hmm. that equity and inclusion is at the forefront of their casting and hiring and et cetera. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's multiple companies that are doing that work and, um, but it's, it's happening slowly, incrementally, and it just needs to happen faster. <laughs> in, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And theater first, you know, pays, you know, it's actors, which is wonderful. Like yeah. you can actually, yeah. You know, not starve. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, during the yeah, rehearsal process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. wonderful. Yeah, I um, I had a question about uh, a couple of uh, places. Um, I was had a question about um, uh, the Eddie Eddie character, um, who is um, a police officer, but he he doesn't have a gun, and um, initially, and that's really interesting. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't remember um, the movie in well enough to know if this is something new or not. And um, and that's uh, Jared um, Holly, who is really great. And then in that song, he does um, "I Could Be That Guy." Um, mm-hmm. And then he's 
he's he changes into a homeless person. And and I was I was kind of confused um, around. I mean, I understand I could be that guy, and and I could be that guy who is, you know, having rough times and and also be out of out of a, you know not have a place to live, you know, unhoused person or underhoused person. But then I didn't. Um, yeah, I was just wondering about about that particular number. It didn't quite. I didn't understand it. Oh, and also oh, another great. number that I really like is um, <laughs> another number I really like is uh, the life I never led, um, yeah. which is really yeah. awesome. And oh, I just and I just love I love the uh, the actress who sings that. Um, she is mm-hmm. phenomenal. It's just it she is such a sweet. I love her with the boots, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and you yeah. could you could call her name. Her her, her um, the character's name is Mary Roberts. You can get, call her her other name, her 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 actual name. Yeah. So I just wanted to just yeah. give a shout out to her for that yeah. particular number because it's oh uh, Abigail Campbell. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. really really awesome. <laughs> Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. back to I yeah, Abig- that guy. You said that it's not clear to you either. Is that oh mean? no! I- so, yeah. So, um, um, so, so, uh, so Eddie is he? He's he's a cop, and um, right. he is not. He he he's surrounded by um, underhoused or um, um, homeless folk in the number, but he himself mm-hmm. is not. Um, Oh, and the, the okay. idea the the idea around that um is is in the script is in is in the script of that and I and I was thinking about why is this happening, um but it's really about the community that is within those um, circles right we also think about uh, when we think about the homeless community or or or, or underhoused community um the initial thought is like we are thinking about people who are addicted to drugs or have some type of mental illness um but re- in, but in the majority of that space though it is Folks who are um, just building community and trying to survive together and trying to help each other and trying to give each other some type of way to move forward. And um, and in that number, Eddie is doubting themselves, and the the, the homeless um, and underhouse folks are saying, Tom her, do it. They're, they're, they're uh, Eddie's cheerleaders. And just seeing these this community uh, as cheerleaders, as people who support each other when they're down and or they feel like they're the, at the, their lowest point, they're supporting each other, they're feeding each other, they're making sure each other are safe. Um, and that moment is is a, is a hint at that culture within those communities um, within the Bay Area. Um, yeah, so that so that's kind of if that makes some some gives some clarity to that scene. Um, that's what that's about. Okay. Thanks, thanks. So um, I've held you all over a little bit. I just wanted to um, uh, ask if you want to give your contact websites and things like that so people can follow you um, after uh, June 1st because definitely people need to get over to um, the Gateway Theater, 215 Jackson, before um, or at, or by June 1st. Um, the uh, performances are, are they uh, Wednesday through Sunday? Technically, it's Wednesday through Saturday, double Saturday. Wednesday through have, Saturday. Okay, mm-hmm. this week. Mm-hmm. And then next okay, week we eight, have one Tuesday. Oh, you have mm-hmm. a Tuesday. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, Just next week. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there, the evenings are 8 o'clock and on Saturday. What time is the matinee on this Saturday? 3 o'clock. 
Three. Three o'clock. Three o'clock. Okay. Mm-hmm. Three o'clock. So there's a matinee this weekend and next weekend mm-hmm. and a Tuesday next week. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, maybe I'll mm-hmm. come back on yeah. Tuesday. Cool. Yeah. Come to the Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. 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 Awesome. Cool. Yeah, uh, well, you can follow my work on Instagram at am mm-hmm. uh, underscore queer director, um, and mm-hmm. that's where most of my work is posted. Okay. All right. And, and I'm, at Tammy, I'm at com. Usually I try to, try to keep the Adrian. calendar up to date. <laughs> cool, cool. And my information for Instagram is Brandon Noel Thomas. That's B R A N D E N Noel mm-hmm. Thomas. And it's a public account, so you can message me through there for any contact information. But also, if you wanted to email me, you can reach me at Noel Thomas. So that's N O E L T H O M A Z at gmail.com as well. Okay, super. Yeah. And, um, and what's next for you all? Do you know? Rest. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Let's see. I have um, doing a show at the at the Freight and Salvage called Women of Motown on June second. Mm. So that's at like Ooh, uh, one o'clock. So, okay. You know, one o'clock. If you want to keep dancing, Women come on over. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. Cool. Great. That's gonna be awesome. Super, super. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you all so much for yeah. um, telling, talking to us about about the show. It is simply fabulous. I mean, absolutely <laughs> fabulous. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna definitely come back through so I can ah just listen to you sing some more, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I hope, I hope you know that you come through again, you know, soon. Um, you know, performing somewhere else in the Bay. Otherwise, I guess I have to journey up to uh, to Vegas and see you there. <laughs> and I'll have to go well, with you, Wanda. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there we'll definitely be, have to make a plan yeah. there, Tammy. Mm-hmm. There may right, be you all a cabaret in the works. Yeah, and I, and I hope you all um, um, have a recording. I would love to purchase... Um, the mm. recording of, of this soundtrack. Oh. I don't know about all the <laughs> the different licensing things that might happen, but gosh, it would be so cool if we could take it home, you know? <laughs> mm. Well, don't you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I have let to, me know. I have the studio in mind. <laughs> all right, well, okay. we'll see what happens. All right. Okay, cool. It's been too <laughs> long since they so recorded that one that was on Thank Broadway. You. you all are great. Right. Oh, right. you're quite welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. All you right. take good care. You, you too. too. Peace right. and blessings. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Let's see now. Um, we are going to... Um, play uh gritty city um theater um is really 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 awesome um uh the uh the production oh my goodness um they have the young people have done such a phenomenal job um if you want to read my review of uh sister act and um the taming of the shrew definitely uh check it out on 
WandasPicks.com. I'm going to, um, gosh, I don't know what I'm going to play. <laughs> I am going to, um, let's see. Um, I'm going to play Tranquility by uh, Bobby Hutchison.
I am going to play an old uh, program, um, July 25th, 2014. Uh, it's, um, the description says, Hate Crimes, Maroon, and Geraldine Wa from Baji. <laughs> so we shall be pleasantly surprised. Um, and uh, I want to let folks know that the, um, the uh, Sex Worker um, uh, Film Festival is kicking off this week, and so um, definitely don't want to miss that. And um, uh, Sangria is going to be um, having her um, program on Friday in um, Sangria Red is going to be having her program on Friday um, in Oakland, and it's called Oakland. The place is Oakland Soul, and the event is Black Mother and Jazz at 6:30, um, 15 to 50 dollars sliding scale, um, and it's uh, Oakland Soul is 1236 23rd Avenue in Oakland, and Sangria Red is takes transports back to a 1930s New Orleans juke joint for an evening of erotic stories pre-biblical. Storytelling, music, food, and again, that's 6.30 to 8. That should be so fun. I'm so sad I'm not going to be able to make it. And you can get tickets uh, at sexworkerfest.com or blackmother.eventbrite.com. And it's uh, in conjunction with Sex Worker Bay Area, uh, San Francisco Bay Area Sex Worker Film and Arts Festival, um, which is beginning this week and it goes through next week. Alrighty, and uh, yeah, so back to um, <laughs> this special program. I want to let you know about that. And uh, okay, so let's see what this is all about. I don't remember. <laughs> Good morning, and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a Black Arts and Culture program of the African Sisters Media Network. We're going to uh, play a little bit of an interview we had with Professor Williams, who uh, is sharing with us. Uh, a hate crime that she uh, was victim of mm, maybe about a month ago now. And, uh, yeah, it's really, really horrific um, how her college district has responded to uh, to this crime against her and her family. And um, so I'm going to play this. It was first broadcast last Friday. Um July July 18th Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Ticks, a Black Arts and Culture program of the African Sisters Media Network. <laughs> ah, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning everybody. Oh, how are you doing, Casey um, Williams? No, so happy I'm that you're able to join us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, had some technical difficulties this morning. Glad you were able to hang in there while we were waiting to get started. Oh, yeah. So I'm happy to be here, and I'm glad to be invited. Our network is strong, isn't it? Yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, yeah, I um, right now you're you're um, you're solo in the studio, and um, wanted you to. Tell our audience about, you know, the really horrific um, hate crime that, that happened um, to you as a professor at the college where you teach. 
and um, while I um, get my, you know, pull up all my details um, <laughs> so we can talk a little more succinctly. Um, so tell our audience a little bit about, about yourself and um, and where you teach and, and what brings you to the air this morning. Okay, thank you, uh, Sister Wanda. Thank you for that uh, for this opportunity to talk about it. Um, I teach at a, a small southern community college in North Carolina. Um, that's basically the only game in town, Coastal Carolina Community College. Um, the military base is in town and the college, and that's pretty much it. It's kind of like walking into a time warp because not a lot of things have changed um, you know, the, 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 the gains that we expected to make from civil rights era haven't really, haven't really taken effect here yet. <laughs> so um, I teach at this college, and I teach sociology, um, the sociology of sex and gender, social diversity, social deviance, sociology of the family. I mean, really fun classes, at least to me. And this is what I went to college to study, so this is what I know. But... Um, over the years, there's just been a lot of resistance, and I know that lots of us in education notice the difference from when we first started teaching 25 years ago to now. Times have changed. The racial climate in our country has changed, and there's a lot of resistance to even talking about, much less understanding racism. So oftentimes when students get confronted with conversations about privilege or the actual definition of racism, they take out their dislike of these, you know, scholarly definitions on me and on other faculty as well. But my case seems to be a little bit different because not only do the students take it out on me, I feel uh, very unsupported by my own administration who happen to be 100% white and all of our division chairs are white and 88% of our uh, department heads are white but only 68% of our town is white and 68% of our students are white. So there's more going on than just students being mad because they're being forced to learn about privilege and to confront truths that they don't want to know. Um, and that's fine. Everybody doesn't have to like what they learn in college, but you're paying money to learn. And I need to be supported in that effort. So the student that brought the news to school was angry, um, uh, the, the background is he started my course in January, he dropped my course in March, um, and he brought a news to school in May and uh, was also overheard in the courtyard at, at our school making some really white supremacist statements. I mean, he was saying things like the reason that black people get sickle cell is because they're an inferior subhuman species, that we should let them all kill themselves off. Um, just some really scary things. And then he brought up that he had written a letter about me to our board of directors and to our president, and that even if I came on my hands and knees, he wasn't going to forgive me or whatever. I mean, just some really ugly stuff. So within two days, I heard about him standing outside slandering me and then bringing the news to school. So I, I told my husband about the news. I was actually in a final exam. Right, I was told about the news right before I went into a final exam, and I kind of sat there for a minute thinking, wait a minute, this student of color just came to me and told me that someone showed her a noose and said it was for me, that he was going to hang it on my door. And it took me a minute to process it. Um, but then I, I texted my family, and I was like, the same guy I told you about on Tuesday, 
that said he was going to, you know, wouldn't take my apology on my hands and knees. Now he's brought a noose. And my husband just flipped out, and he called the police, and the police came and arrested the student, um, and the student was charged with ethnic intimidation and communicating a threat. And so that was in May. Uh, the, the trial was in July. It was a couple weeks ago, last Thursday, and the judge did find him guilty of these crimes. Um, but my husband and I went to meet with the top administrator at our college to just let him know, you know, this is horrible what happened to me. This is terrible, um, and it affects how I teach. And um, to make a long story short, let's just say I was not supported. Um, I was basically reamed out and um, criticized and put down and insulted and basically told that I can control this kind of thing if I can, you know, sort of just be nicer to these kinds of students than, uh, you know, it's all my fault, basically. And I, I left that meeting devastated. You know, I expect to be supported. We don't have to look very far in the news to see examples of violence at schools. And in North Carolina, our legislature actually made it uh, legal for students to bring their guns to school. They can have them in their cars. So I, I feel that I'm at risk. I feel endangered. And a noose is a terroristic tool. Everybody knows what a noose means. Um, so I'm, I'm here today to just kind of talk about the support that we still need in our community. You know, we're not living in a post-racial world by any stretch of the imagination. And people like me um, who are on the front lines, you know, we deserve to be supported. And we should not be blamed when people exact violence against us. There's nothing a person can do to a student. You know, there's nothing a, an instructor or a professor can do to deserve to be threatened with a noose, you know, so that's right. what I'm here to talk about, and I'm just really happy that that there's a forum like yours that exists where we can talk about these things, and, and people can find out how to support, you know, those of us that are out there, and, and many of us are out there on the front lines, not just in education, but in all the fields, you know, and, and it's just unfortunate because they're, these things are still going on, and this is 2014, so I'm just happy to have this forum, and thank you for this opportunity to speak and to tell my story. It's really important that we tell our stories. Yes, it certainly, certainly is. And uh, when we were speaking um, uh, off the air yesterday, uh, just for me to get a sense of, of, you know, what happened in this particular community college district, well, actually, and college district, because I believe you told me that there are 58 colleges in your in your college district, and um, and you said that when you were hired, uh, the the president of of the college said that um, that you can't take any anything to the newspapers, and you can't criticize the military because in your particular town, those are the two strongest uh, institutions: the military base and and the college. 